Julio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. Uh, 18 stories about beautiful downtown Chicago here until 4 o'clock. Coming up a little bit later, Ken uh, Gerhardt is going to join us. He is a uh, an author and a cryptozoologist, and he's got a new book about Bigfoot. We love talking about that kind of stuff. He's been studying the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, Mothman, and even werewolves. So we'll get to that. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number, Team Hochberg phone line. And uh, my guest right now is uh, Dave Olson. Uh, Dave is with the Chicago Paranormal Investigators. He's the founder, lead investigator, technical and EVP specialist. ChicagoParanormal.com is the website. Um, uh, Dave's been fascinated with the paranormal for many, many years. He formed a team of investigators to, uh, to assist some people. Uh, with unexplained phenomena, he's also a police officer here in uh, in Chicago, but uh, he does leads paranormal investigations. We love talking about this kind of stuff. And here's uh, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hey, how you doing? Okay, thanks so, for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've been a police officer in the Chicago area since uh, 1991. Yeah, I'm going to hit my 29th year uh, in December. Wow! Congratulations, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. So you've worked, for, you know, you, you've worked uh, all over the place, but uh, right now you're working at. Uh, you're you're currently assigned to O'Hare. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, no seniority now. I've been there maybe about two and a half years. Well, what I, what's it like working at O'Hare as a as a police officer? You know, I, I actually love it. My dad um, worked for TWA Transworld Airlines for maybe forty one, forty two years, oh. and I, I remember him bringing me there as a kid. And I just, it's like, to me, working there is like a kid being in kiddie land or something, you know. I, I just love the atmosphere of the airport. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, it's, uh, it's not, and now you get to be there all the time. Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> and it's not far from my house either, so it makes it a lot, uh, a lot easier. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, so, uh, so what got you into the paranormal? I'll tell you, to be honest, I, I think I'm a little bit on the sensitive side. So I remember as a kid. Uh, just feeling certain things. Uh, I would call it spirit energy, hearing uh, at times disembodied voices. And as I got older, I, I still could hear them at times. And I, I remember one incident calling my, my mom, waking her up and saying, Mom, you know, I'm, I'm it's probably about 10, uh, 11 at night, 12 at night. And uh, I'm like, Mom, I hear muffled conversations, but I, I can't understand what they're saying. Mm. You know, as 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 I got older, I would still hear at times voices, uh, you know, when no one's home. And I'm the type that needs to experience it for myself to truly believe. And uh, so I, as I got older, I still uh, started experiencing stuff, you know, from, uh, I, I guess, just feeling spirit energy, you, you can call it, and at, at times voices also. And so I started buying gear in 2008. And um, I started getting results. And in 2009, I went nuts and bought 
tons of stuff. Uh, I got everything you see out there. And, uh, and I formed a team. Uh, at first, it was uh, a few other policemen uh, with me, but when they got promoted, they just didn't have the time anymore. So basically now it, it's myself, uh, a fireman, a Chicago fireman, Matt, and uh, there's another uh, a police officer and uh, a few civilians. Mm. And that's your team? Yes. Yeah. Now, um, w- w- have uh, have you have other uh, uh, police officers approached you with their stories now that they know that, that you that you do this paranormal stuff? Yeah, yeah. I get quite a few calls or emails, or they track me down, um, and oh, they're like, "Oh, you're the guy that's investigating uh, the paranormal." You know, from from bosses to other patrolmen, and you know, they'll tell their experiences, or they'll say, "You know, when I grew up, my house, I believe, was haunted," and. Or just experiences maybe they had at a, a certain district they, they work in or, or a certain location they went to, you know, uh, during a call. Hmm. Okay. And uh, how often do you do investigations, Dave? You know, it, it, it depends. Uh, I try not I, – I try to limit to once a month uh, just because there's so much work after investigating of going through all the audio, video. And it, it takes me anywhere from – three weeks to a little over a month because I, I go through every video camera, handheld DVR, every voice recorder. And then once I get something, you know, I got to match everything up and it, it just takes me a long time. I, I'm, I'm basically the only one that does, you know, that goes through everything uh, and downloads everything, you know, on my team. And then, uh, you know, sometimes I'll ask for help and I'm so used to going through, all the audio, all the video, I, I know what to look for or, you know, what it sounds like, you know, an unexplained voice and stuff like that. Yeah. How much equipment do you bring on a, on, a, on, on an investigation? And because uh, you, you're mentioning video, you're mentioning audio, what gets set up, what gets brought? And uh, give me give me just a sense of what how you set up and, and, and get through an investigation. Okay, depending on the location and depending on. Um, you know, if it's a house and, you know, if they want it stealth, you know, more stealth mode where the neighbors won't know. But I, I bought a, a used ambulance and I use it as my command center. So a lot of the camera feed from like DVR cameras go into the uh, command center. And the reason I have that is because I like to limit the investigators or people in the house when we're investigating. Cause, uh, you have too many people there. You could corrupt the evidence. You know, if, you know, if you hear when you, when you have a controlled environment and you get a voice, you know, no one's in that house and you could document it with all the cameras yeah, uh, and all the audio. I mean, th- then, you know, but if you have too many people in there, you know, you could corrupt. And you're like, okay, well, I think that's an EVP, but you know, it could be another investigator. Or it could be the homeowner. So I, I purchased his ambulance. So whoever's not investigating at the time has somewhere to go, view the cameras, view some of the live audio and it, you know, it it eliminates the, uh, any uh, audio corruption. Yeah. You know, inside the house. I understand. So, I understand you have a name for your ambulance. Yeah, you know, I, uh, <laughs> we name it Misty. I even <laughs> got a custom plate. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It, it came like it. it. It's a dark blue. It's a uh, it's a pretty cool truck. I got yeah. very lucky to to get it. But right. okay. so once we investigate a, a location, then I, I set up the DVR cameras, run all the power and video cables to the truck. And then uh, set up all the handheld cameras we're going to use, audio, voice recorders throughout the location. And then I got all the specialty items from EMF meters to all the gadgets you see on TV. Yeah. 
Okay. All right, Dave, hang on, all right? Uh, Dave Olson is with us. He is uh, Chicago. He's the founder and lead investigator with Chicago Paranormal Investigators. And uh, you can check out chicagoparanormal.com. He's a Chicago police officer since 1991, and uh, he also investigates the paranormal. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, talk about some specific stuff that he's gone through and investigated. And if you want to jump in, it's Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio, uh, here until 4 o'clock. Um, my guest is Dave Olson uh, from Chicago Paranormal Investigators. He's the founder and lead investigator. You can check out uh, chicagoparanormal.com. He's also a police officer and been a police officer in the, in the city of Chicago since 1991. And uh, let's say hello to Dave again. Hi, Dave. Dave, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, well, how, tell me about how you balance your work as a police officer with the paranormal uh, investigating. Well, yeah, I, I keep that uh, most most of the time separate, you know, unless, uh, you know, I, how can I say? Um, yeah, unless I'm having uh, some coworkers that I know, you know, like the paranormal and stuff, I'll have them listen to... Uh, you know, some raw evidence, you know, listen to this. Let me, uh, tell me what you hear or look at this video. Tell me what you see or photo. But basically when I'm at work, I keep the paranormal out of it. Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we have someone who has actually investigated with you before on the line. Oh, exciting. <laughs> uh, this is Tony on WGN. Hi, Tony. Hey, how you doing? All right. Hi, Dave. Hey, Tony, what's going on? All right. I was just driving home, and I happened to hear you on the radio, and I'm like, i got to call in and say hi to Dave. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank, thanks, Tony. Tony, tell Man, me. Tony, yeah, go so ahead. Tony, yeah. he, he's outstanding as, as an investigator, and uh, all the stuff, you know, the knowledge. He, he gives tours, and uh, you're like a historian. Tony. Yeah. Yeah, I work for Chicago Hauntings, too, but I, I do want to say Dave is – Hands down, the best paranormal investigator in the city. Wow! So that means so, a lot, Tony. I appreciate it. T- Tony, tell me about your experiences. Uh, when did you get in experiences? When did you start to 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 do the paranormal thing? Well, um, it actually started when I was just a kid. Uh, my dad died um, when I had just turned fourteen. Um, I was uh, at his wake. I was up by his casket, and I just kind of thought in my head if he could give me some sort of sign that he's all right, then I wasn't going to worry about him anymore. And at that moment, the lights in the funeral parlor went off, and they came right back on. And that kind of always piqued my interest. Wow, so that's how it started. And then you, and, and that's, then, how uh, that's how it started. And, uh, and what are some of the experiences that you've had, Tony? I mean, you, you, you've, you've worked with Dave. You've done some investigating with Dave. Uh, what, what, are yeah. some, what are some of the more memorable things that you experienced? Well, I remember um, the... Uh, Specifically the Dave, I remember when we were up in uh, the hotel up in Kewanee, Wisconsin. Oh, the Karsten uh, Hotel. The yes. Karsten, yeah, the Karsten Hotel. And uh, we were using the Connect system, and there was that one room where I, I, 
trying to refresh my memory from it all. I think Room 302. 302, yeah. And was, yes. that, was she the maid who became like uh, a mistress to the owner? Oh, no, she, yeah, she was the maid that supposedly uh, hung herself in the room. You know, I, I take it back right. to 310. We, we had two experiences, 302 and 310 is the one you're talking about. Right, where we got the image on the connect of what looked like somebody hanging yes. in, in the room. Wow. Yeah, that we got that, and we also got a couple unexplained voices, EVPs, during that time. Wow. Wow. So, uh, it, so it was you. You investigated this room specifically because the the maid hung herself. Yeah, we investigated uh, the whole hotel, but that's supposedly the the hottest spot at the hotel room three ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got very lucky in that room. But that whole third floor has a lot going on. At times when we were in there, you could hear doors opening and closing. Uh, you could hear disembodied voices uh, with your own ears at times. I remember even hearing a, a woman singing or humming. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, Tony, you enjoy doing this kind of work, huh? Oh, I do, definitely. Yeah, yeah he, he's very good at it. Very, that's great. Okay. Yeah. All right, Tony, thanks for the call and thanks for listening. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Have a good night. Okay, thank take you. Care. You too. Bye. All right. What does it take to, to, to be a good paranormal investigator? Well, you got to have an open mind, but it's also good to be skeptical because um, not everything is paranormal. You know, there's a lot that could be, be explained. And the last thing you want is to go into someone's house, you know, that's maybe scared to death of their own house because of what they're experiencing and automatically saying it's, uh, you know, the noises or the stuff they see or, or hear or feel is paranormal. That's, that's why it's so good that I have uh, Matt, the uh, Chicago fireman on the team. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of the firemen have side jobs, and he's one of them. That uh, The heating and air guy does plumbing. And you, you name it, he does, he does it all. And so it, it's so good to have him in the house. So, he, you know, he goes through everything and, make, you know, he makes sure the noises are here is not the heating and air ducts uh, to plumbing or, or whatever. You know, he's, his first thought is to... To prove that it's not paranormal, and then when he's left with a question mark, you know he can't explain it. Then there's a good possibility, you know, possibility it is. Yeah. What What is the percentage of of uh, of something happening that's not paranormal uh, um, when you discover it? That's not paranormal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. I, I would say it's. It's probably fifty, close to fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe sixty forty. You know, not paranormal. I mean, uh, some stuff could be explained. Um, like I said, with uh, just the way the the house, the heating, uh, you know, loose piping could be rattling. And um, but I would say it's at least half, maybe even sixty forty. That could be explained. Okay. All right, and uh, take me through the process of what we do. You get you get phone calls. You get people contacting you about uh, about their uh, their homes or their places. Yes, yeah, either via the email, sometimes calls, uh, Facebook. Um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, it's basically we, we don't take every case. Uh, you know, just because of you know everyone works and. Uh, so we try to prioritize it by uh, what's an emergency. Some people are just very curious and want to know. Um, some of them want to know they're not going crazy, you know, with, with stuff they hear or see in the house. Yeah. 
but the prior, you know, the ones that are priority, especially involving children, you know, and the, you know, the mothers totally scared of the house. And, uh, so we're trying to make that a priority, but we do have to limit. I, I, when I first started, I used to try to take every, every case and it, it's, it's too difficult, uh, especially with work and all the time I have to put after the investigation going through everything. So right. I, I, you know, I try to limit to maybe one a month. Right. Okay. Uh, here's Liz on uh, WGN. Hi, Liz. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> hey, Liz. How you doing? Hi, Dave. How are you? Good. I appreciate you staying up late. I know. I go to bed early, but hey, I knew uh, something special was happening tonight. So, Liz, you've uh, been part of these investigations as well? Yes. I was very, very fortunate, actually, to investigate with Dave. I mean, if you want a real experience and something, you know, a lot of people have their doubts and don't trust uh, evidence, but I can assure you that uh, Mr. Olson is the real deal, and he will definitely capture um, things that you never imagined you would capture, photographs, uh, voices, uh I mean, everything you can imagine. So um, he's a real deal. Now, how did you get involved yeah. with uh, the paranormal, uh, Liz? Did you have a personal experience? Oh, I have a lot of personal experiences, but one of the ones that kind of got me into it was um, I went on a guest uh, ghost hunting um, event, and I was lucky enough to be taken aside by one of the leads of this uh, event, and I was able to, I felt like I was going to speak with my father, and I did. Um, and because I speak Spanish, one of the, um, how it was made real for me was when they asked, is this your father who, is this Liz's father who's speaking to her? And the answer was "C," si, which means yes right. in Spanish, obviously. And nobody there knew I spoke Spanish. So I knew that was my father, you know, saying, hey, I just want you to know I'm talking to you. So it was pretty cool. And ever since then, I've been a full believer. And um, just, you got reported to your we father. Got con- contacted with Dave. How did we? Oh, yeah, that's right, with Jen. Yeah. That's how I, I got to meet you. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, Liz, thanks for the call and thanks for listening. Hey, Nick, I yeah. just want to tell you, I saw you perform DJ, I mean, uh, Dick Danger, DJ. Uh, oh, you did? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were amazing. Thank Noah Simon is my friend, just to you. let you know. Thank you, Liz. I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. Uh, that was a play I was in some years ago. Um, <laughs> Dave, hold on, okay? Sure. All right. Uh, yeah, Dick Danger. I was the villain. <laughs> wow, Liz, that was a long time ago. That was like 2002. Uh, man, oh man. Okay, we're talking with Dave Olson. Dave Olson, uh, who is uh, the founder and lead investigator uh, for Chicago Paranormal Investigators. You can check out chicagoparanormal.com. White Snake. <laughs> That's not the song, is it though? No, no. You you always say it to Starship. Yeah, Starship. I always forget. Yeah, yeah this That's is right. Benjamin Orr. That's Ben Orr. Yeah, that's yeah. right. From the Cars. 
solo Benjamin Orr. Hello, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here till uh, 4 o'clock. Ken Gerhardt is going to join me. He is a cryptozoologist and an author. Um, And, uh, you know, he's been traveling the world searching for evidence of mysterious creatures, including Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, and the Mothman, even werewolves. Getting into that. And we're talking paranormal stuff right now. Dave Olson is the founder and lead investigator at Chicago Paranormal Investigators. Uh, ChicagoParanormal.com and uh, talking about some uh, some paranormal activities. Hi, Dave. Hello. <laughs> Hello. All right. Um, so you've been doing this now for uh, for 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 how long now? Uh, 2008, I started. That's when I started. Uh, but 2009, I formed a team. That's when you formed the team in 2009. Yes. Yeah. Is it still the same team that you work with now? No, it's. Uh, yeah, I started out, it was mainly uh, policemen, but when they got promoted, uh, right. you know, I had to fill in with other people. So I have one other policeman, a fireman, and then uh, a handful of uh, civilians or, you know, regular people. Right, right. Regular jobs, yeah. Okay. Uh, what about this, uh, what about these, the equipment that you have? Uh, you know, you said that you have a lot of equipment. You said, in fact, that you were quoted as saying, I went nuts and bought, <laughs> bought everything. Yeah, you know, people say I have more than the networks do. And it's, yeah. So tell me so about, I, tell, I, tell, tell so, me about the, the, some of the equipment and the training that you had to do to, to, to be able to use it. All righty. Uh, I'll start out with, uh, a lot of night vision cameras, um, from DVR cameras to handheld like Sony night vision cameras to thermal imaging, which is uh, basically like the military and stuff. It uses, uh, you know, if, if it sees a person, you, you'll see heat. And basically uh, with the paranormal, you don't want it to show heat. You know, if, if it's heat, it's something living. Yeah. Or it's a reflection of you or an animal. Right. But, uh, you know, if it's, if it's not, in, um, then it's going to be dark, you know, more of a cold cold spot like a dark blue yeah but that 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 really helps especially if you're doing an outside investigation because of all the animals and stuff that are are out there making noises and you know walking through the woods or a graveyard or whatever but um a lot of voice recorders you know uh they vary in cost you know from uh zoom handies to sony's um emf meters there's so many different types of uh emf meters and they're basically used for the they're trying to communicate with spirits and pick up their energy. Mm-hmm. Um, specialized equipment from, uh, like Tony was talking about, the Connect system. They have a SLS camera, uh, the Connect, and that was basically started out for gaming systems. But uh, it's, it's basically it, it tracks you. Now, if it picks you up and, and you're in front of the camera, it's going to show you as a stick figure. Ah. Now the theory theory with these uh, cameras is when there's no one there, or if there's something that pops up beside you and you're there alone, and the theory is that's picking up uh, spirit energy and it's turning it as a stick figure. Now I was very skeptical when the stuff first came out, but there's I recorded stuff and got stuff that's just unexplainable, and a lot of times if I pick up something that could be uh, evidence I, I like to pick up something else like say if I, if I pick up a stick figure i think it's more credible if i also get a voice that's not ours during that time oh I so, got you know yeah. I, I like to get multi pieces and then put it together yeah but um 
let's see, uh, yeah, I got drones to you name it. I <laughs> I have it. Yeah. So you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're basically you're you're you got everything covered. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, we got some people on the line. Here is uh, Brian on WGN. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, Dave. How's it going? Good. How about you? Okay. I was going to tell you there's a haunted house if you wanted to see it, or it's, I don't know if it's haunted, but it's been empty for ten years. It's in Wooddale. If you go down uh, Wooddale Road south of Irving Park Road, about a minute, and then you come to that stop sign. Look on the left. That house it's so, out there. Okay, uh, on uh, Wooddale Road. You said it off of the Villa Road later, but it, it, it's only about a minute south of Irving Park Road on Wooddale okay. Road. And you get to the stop sign, just look to the left at that house, that property, in the ruins back there. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, it are there rumors about whether or not it's haunted? Or is that, is it, have you heard well, that? Well, I've, I've heard stories. I've just been by on my bike over there a lot, and I keep going faster every time. It's, <laughs> one of, it's the kind of place when you see it, it gives you the creeps. Ah, uh, I gotcha. All right, well, there you go. Thank you. Uh, Wooddale, Irving Park. All right, Brian. Do you get a lot of uh, suggestions like that, Dave? A lot of people say, hey, you got to check out this place and check out that place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's up to the property owners. And then, you know, depending on what the rumors and the stories behind it to see if it's worth everyone's time. Because a lot of times um, we'll have to take off work or burn a vacation day, you know, and then the cost that goes with it. Because, you know, we don't charge anybody. So, you know. It's, it's on our time, so we got to, for the most part, make it worth the wild, you oh, know, yeah. that it's a decent case or decent location. Yeah. Especially if we got to take off work. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Uh, here's Linda on WGN. Hi, Linda. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Yeah. Uh, when I was telling your producer, my husband was in the hospital. He got an infection in his knees. He had them replaced. We thought everything was doing well. But he ended up getting sick. I had been to see him earlier in the day, and he had a real bad case of a diarrhea that was terrible. I went home. I couldn't sleep that night, so I got up, and I'm listening to the radio and reading. And through the house, there was this horrible smell like his hospital room. And I thought, gee whiz, what the heck is that? I looked at the clock. It was 20 after 2. At uh, 2.30, the phone rings, and it was the doctor from the hospital telling me my husband had coded, but they brought him back, and he was doing okay. So he's asking me all kind of questions about my husband and ulcers. My husband didn't have ulcers. He didn't even need to take an aspirin. I was the one with the high blood pressure and everything. And But anyway, as he's talking to me, he tells me, he says, oh, I got to leave. They're taking him back to, they're going to take him to ICU. I say, hey, wait a minute. You said I didn't have to go. And then he says, well, he might feel better if you're here. And it made me angry because I could have been on my way already. So I called my two sons. And they met me at the hospital. I was there by about quarter after three, and it's from near the Indiana border to Mercy Hospital. It's good travel. And I made it there in, I don't know, record time. But anyway, we got there. They took us to the ICU. And when we walked in, my one son is a paramedic for the city. The other one is first responder, 
for uh, a fire department in the suburbs, and I also know something of it. We walked in there. It wasn't right. His coloring wasn't right. The breathing they had, his chest was rising too high. He was ice cold. And my son looked, and he checked him. He says, Mom, Dad's been gone. He says, a little while. And I says, they said that he was okay. But at that time, we, I says, that must be when he passed away. But so are you thinking that, that he came to visit you when you were smelling the, that, that smell in your house? Yeah, right. And since then, I, I never smoked. My mom never smoked. And I'm living in her house. We, I would get cigarette smoke real strong. And he and my dad smoked. And finally, one night, I was getting it real strong. And I said, hey, is that you, Daddy, or is it Bob? What do you guys want? What do you want to tell me? And it, it got kind of strong, and then it left. Like, I took it as a thing of things are going to be okay, maybe. Mm. But that's happened. It could be one of way times. of it could be one way of them trying to communicate to let them know if he was you know if, they, if he was a smoker and uh, that's you know his energy could uh, could be back in the house and uh, and that's one way you know if he loves smoking that's one way of him maybe letting him letting you know that he's there. These are, are these kinds of experiences that uh, like that Linda had is that common? Do you hear these a lot? Similar stuff. Yeah, you know, especially when it comes to uh, near death or, uh, you know, just before, just after someone passes away where people, you know, maybe get visited or or get a strange call or a a strange text message or something. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, they'll see see that person, a, a glimpse of them, you know, before they pass. And it seems like it's their way of you know, saying goodbye or something before they, uh, you know, move on or whatever they do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Linda, thank you for the call. Thank you for sharing your story. 312-981-7200. Dave, hang on. I want to talk about some specific places that you, uh, that you visited, that that you visited uh, in the past. And if uh, anybody wants to jump in, 312-981-7200. We're talking paranormal uh, investigations with Dave Olson, leader and founder of of uh, the uh, Chicago Paranormal Investigations. You can check out chicagoparanormal.com. And uh, if you want to jump in with uh, your story or a question, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to uh, Bradley Place, to the TV side of WGN, get some news from them, and then uh, the great Bob Surratt at 5 for your morning drive. Uh, coming up after midnight, uh, Ken Gerhardt is going to join us. He is an author and a cryptozoologist who uh, studies things like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, even werewolves, and he's got a new book. It's The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. He loved talking about Bigfoot, or Daryl, as he's now known, thanks to the Geico commercials. Um, we're going to do another round of It Came from Amazon, which uh, are real products that are available on Amazon that were reviewed with real reviews. Some of these things are hilarious. The customers who actually purchased or used these items reviewed them. 
Um, we're going to talk about weird phobia, phobias and most common phobias. Uh, we're going to talk about marketing slogans and product slogans because KFC is ditching finger licking good because of uh, the coronavirus. <laughs> because of the coronavirus. So and much more. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Dave Olson is my guest, uh, founder and lead investigator for uh, Chicago Paranormal Investigators, chicagoparanormal.com. Dave? Yes. uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the specific uh, investigations that you've done. Tell me one of the more memorable ones, ones that you really found some stuff and it was probably pretty creepy and all that. I'll tell you, in the Chicagoland area, um, the Congress Theater that's off Milwaukee. Yep, um, been there several times. Yeah, that, that place has a lot going on. Really? I actually, uh, when, that investigation that I did there, I, I was there maybe three, four times. And, uh, part of it made the biography channel. I got lucky and made the TV. Um, but that has a lot going on in there. Like what? It's uh, uh, from apparitions, uh, voices. Um, yeah, we, we actually captured... Uh, a kid's voice asking for its uh, mommy, and it actually would turn on my flashlight on and off Oh, uh, for uh, questions. Yeah, it's a push button. So I, I had it sitting on the floor and um, asking questions, and I told it to, you know, turn it on for yes and then leave it off for no. And uh, and it answered that it's a seven, uh, seven-year-old uh, kid. It's, it's, it's amazing. I got video on it, so that's on... Uh, um, our YouTube channel, and, and if anyone wants to see it, our Facebook page and, oh, and okay. stuff like that. So but, you, uh, you guys, you do have uh, videos and things available for people to check out, correct? Yes. Yeah, we have a limited amount on the website. And most of it's on uh, YouTube. Okay. All right. And so, Instagram and stuff like that. How did you hear about the Congress? Did someone, I mean, I, you know, I've been to the Congress Theater many, many times. I never heard that it was haunted or that there were... There was... yeah, you know, the, the TV show uh, that used to be on a sci-fi channel, Ghost Hunters, yes. they went there... And um, and they, they got some pretty cool evidence. They got uh, using a thermal Im- imaging camera. They got a figure that was towards the uh, the back seats. I think walking the hallway, really? you know, the balcony. Yeah, it it, w- it was pretty cool. And then uh, I've never never went in there, you know, for a concert or anything. But I, I used to work around that area. You know, been by it a million times. So I, I spoke to. Uh, the manager there, and, uh, you know, I wanted to experience it for myself, see if I could, uh, you know, get that same image they got off TV. And, uh, yeah, I, I got some pretty cool stuff there. It's And I had a, a psychic medium that uh, was never there before, and just the stuff she came up with, it, it freaked out the manager. He pulled me aside, and she goes, how does she know this? This is not documented anywhere. Yeah. But she knew about underground tunnels that the mob used back when it you know, when the place was new, she knew there was a projectionist that loved his job so much that ended up dying. I, I forget if he died of a heart attack. I think he yeah, had a heart attack, hit his head, and, and died in his one room. But there's no signs of the shower that he died in or anything. And no one knew about that. And she picked that up right away. And 
Yeah, it, it's just a, it, it's an amazing place. Uh, it, that place just has so much going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been there. I've been there several times. I've seen a, a lot of shows at the Congress, and I never knew that there was any kind of uh, paranormal stuff going on. Hey, you mentioned psychic mediums. Um, uh, how often do you work with them? Well, the two that I uh, dealt with a lot <laughs> moved to Arizona. One used to be in Wisconsin. And then Susan Rowland's been on uh, WGN quite a few times. She's mm. she's so well known here that even from Arizona, she'll make the trip in uh, maybe yeah. once a month. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, she was on uh, Hannah show with me. Uh, I forget how many years ago that was, mm-hmm. but we did like a Halloween special on WGN. Okay, all but, right. Uh, but, and some of the other places that you uh, that you have visited. Tell me about the Casa Casa Madrid. In oh, Mel- in Mel- yeah, Park. That, that place. That's the first time ever I got the F-bomb and some swear words from the other side. Okay, so we're talking vulgar ghosts then. Yeah, you know, I usually I don't stir the pot, you know, especially when it comes to someone's uh, house or business. The last thing I want to do is make things worse. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes when, you know, there's a location that has gangsters or, you know, maybe even prisons, there's certain things you can do to maybe to help, you know, uh, promote, well, not promote, but break out the activity. Like uh, I, I brought some police gear with me, knowing that this place got raided by the FBI, local police, uh, county, and they would go always after the gambling money, after his safe. So um, you know, I brought uh, a police star, maybe a nightstick and, and, and stuff, and, it seemed to stir the pot where it brought out the activity, and and, and I got a, a handful of swear words uh, there. Wow! And but, that's um, the Casa Madrid. It's uh, yeah, Melrose, yeah, it's, Melrose uh, Park. Right, it's big timers, uh, big timers sound shop where they installed uh, car alarms, tires, and all kind of place, uh, you know, stuff like that. And this was, but a- yeah, it used to be, it used to be a bar. They had two bars in the basement, underground tunnels, a strip joint. It's, just, it's like probably watching like The Sopranos, you know. There, yeah. It, so it's like a mob. It was a mob hangout. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow. All right. But then, yeah, I got all kind of voices. Some of it is residual energy. If you're there or not, it's just trapped energy that's looping over and over again. Like uh, I, I got uh, unexplained voices that women's voices offering their services. You know, what do you want tonight? Like up and down, that's all I do, and some other stuff I can't say on, uh, yeah, you know, online yeah, <laughs> or on the air, on the but, air uh, right. right? And then um, what was really cool was there was a siren going by. I don't know if it was a squad car or an ambulance, but uh, I, I had some paperwork in my hand, and I'm like, I got a search warrant. Here's my boys. Now we're gonna find your money and take it. And then I got a voice saying, um, "You got to be effing." kidding me uh, you know the f-bombs uh, yeah. over and over again and yeah yeah and it's uh yeah it was that place is awesome i i would love to go there again but the last time uh i checked in i think the building was under for- foreclosure so i don't know what happened oh okay all right well all right well uh it's been really uh, a lot of fun talking to you uh uh dave um and if people, i appreciate it if people uh would like to get in contact with you if there might be some paranormal stuff that's happening in their lives or in their house um how do, how do they get a hold of you and and how does that work i would say the best way would be through our website chicagoparanormal.com and then the 
just click on uh, request an investigation and uh, put as much details, uh, you know, as you can, you know, if, if anyone's requesting an investigation in and out, one of either myself or a team member will get back to you as soon as possible. Okay. Otherwise, you could message us via Facebook or Instagram. That's probably the best ways to get a hold of us. Okay. So, and the YouTube uh, channel, uh, you've got videos up there of some really cool stuff, and uh, yes. people can uh, link it all up at chicagoparanormal.com. Man tears filling up Poplar Creek. <laughs> you got to love the Dan. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studios on a Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday morning. Um, and uh, we're going to be, you know, we always play back uh, some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show uh, every night on Antenna TV. What is this we're running? Johnny steals Letterman's truck? What? <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm ready for it. We do a thing called It Came From Amazon, where we look at some uh, actual products that you can buy on Amazon and read the actual reviews. Many of them are hilarious. We're going to talk about weird phobias, most common phobias, and we're going to talk about some uh, product slogans. Because uh, finger licking good is going away. So, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. All right, Ken Gerhard uh, is an author and a cryptozoologist, and uh, he travels the world looking for evidence of mysterious creatures, including the Loch Ness monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, werewolves, all that kind of cool stuff. He's appeared on numerous TV shows, and he's got a new book, which is the Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And let's welcome Ken to the show. Hello, Ken. Good evening, Nick. It's uh, an honor and a pleasure to speak with you this evening. It's my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, when did you start to get into the uh, cryptozoology um, world and, and looking for these mysterious creatures? When did that start for you, Ken? Well, um, it's been a lifelong passion of mine ever since I was a young boy and I first heard about Bigfoot and cryptozoology. Uh, what I tell people is that I was already... Uh, infatuated with both monster movies and also animals in the outdoors. So cryptozoology seemed like it combined the, the best of both of those worlds. Yeah. So, um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I never planned on making it a career, but um, I've just been very blessed. And, um, you know, years ago I began doing field research with other guys, that like-minded individuals that went out looking for Bigfoot and, Started writing books, and uh, you know, I was very fortunate. Got discovered by a producer for the Travel Channel years ago, and so it's just—it's been a—it's been a fun ride. That's really, great. I really love what I do. That's really great, Ken. Um, so you uh, you you loved uh, monster movies. You were a big monster movie fan when you were a kid. Tell me a little bit oh, about yeah. that, because me oh, too, yeah. me too, Ken. I I to this day, horror is still my favorite genre, and I was obsessed with it since I can remember. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I loved Godzilla movies when I was a kid. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, back in the TV Guide days. You know, you'd check and see there's a Godzilla movie on at 3 in the morning. Yeah. Wake up for that, you know, <laughs> and yep. go back to bed. Um, you know, Gargoyles is one of my favorites. It's a it's an old 70s Yeah, Bernie TV Casey. Movie. Bernie Casey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Cornell Wilde, that's a good one. And so, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, uh, Jennifer Salt in that movie, too, I got to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. get Jennifer. But, yeah, um, so... So yeah, um, you know, monsters. Uh, and my father was a forestry professor, so I spent a lot of time in the outdoors. I had a lot of exotic pets when I was a kid, like an alligator and stuff. So you, had, you had an alligator? Yeah, like, well, a caiman. It was a small yeah. alligator. Uh, eventually, got so big we had to give it away to the zoo, but uh, it was fun while it lasted. So, so let, me, uh, let me ask you about a little bit more about the alligator. What do you feed an alligator? And 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 how often do you do you feed an alligator? And just what's the upkeep? How do you take care of an alligator? Well, um, you know, they're ectothermic. They're cold-blooded animals, so their metabolism is pretty low, so they're not very active. They just kind of hang out in the tank, uh, you know, they're aquatic. Uh, we had a large aquarium, and uh, we fed it feeder fish, mostly, you know, just little minnows and things. But, uh, you know, they're they're opportunistic feeders, so they'd probably eat anything yeah. <laughs> you, you put in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, reptiles are pretty low low maintenance usually they're not real active you just got they don't eat very often you know so so and you said you had did you have uh, besides the alligator you said you had did you have other exotic uh, animals pets um yeah you know variety of different types of reptiles i used to go out in the woods and collect different snakes and salamanders and you know uh just you know any anything kind of creepy crawly was was kind of my thing. I liked yeah. all those little creepy crawly types of things. Yeah. So. so everybody else in the everybody else in your household uh, enjoy the creepy crawly stuff, or was it just you? Um, you know that's a great question. I don't really remember uh, <laughs> anyone else putting a lot of time and effort into it other than myself. You know, I think I was. Uh, I think my father helped me with the alligator quite a bit, but uh, other than that, I was kind of on my own. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when did you when did you uh, discover? Can you remember discovering? Let's let's go with uh, Nessie. When when uh, when did you? For, do you remember first discovering the Loch Ness monster and the well, legend and the legend? Well, um, you know, I grew up in the seventies, and we had this great television show called In Search of, yep. by, hosted by Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think you. I think you. I think you and I are probably around the same age because I, uh, uh, all these references I remember specifically. Uh, probably so, but this is the cool thing, Nick. As I, as I was growing up, my mother was a travel agent, and she was very adventurous. So she took me on vacations all around the world. We camped along the Amazon River when I was a kid. We hiked the Australian outback, all of these fabulous places. And um, when I was 15 years old, my family went to Loch Ness. And so when I was 15 years old, uh, I, had, I attempted my first field research, and that consisted of... Uh, <laughs> I had a little 8-millimeter movie camera that I carried with me, and I'd hike around the lake and kind of just gaze out at the water. And uh, I interviewed a lot of the local people, you know, if they had had sightings, and just to kind of gauge their uh, opinion about, about what was in the lake. So that was kind of, maybe that was kind of the, looking back on my life, I, I realized that that was kind that of was a it. seminal event in my life that Fif- kind of launched 15, me on this 15, path. 15 years old, uh, interviewing people and investigating the Loch Ness Monster. Now, um, my producer is... Uh, Part Scottish, and has uh-huh. spent time and has spent time in in, uh, in Scotland. And you have gone to the Loch Ness. I have, and uh, it's what, now. Have you you've been there, uh, Ken? It's been years, but yeah, I was there when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and, and but but they really embrace it though. Oh yeah, I, I think Ken can definitely speak to it. I don't know how it was back in the day, but uh, it's just you know now they're selling plushes and and, bo- and t-shirts books and, and books t-shirts. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, that's a fun. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of that legend. You know, Ken, it's always been one of my favorites. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's one of the iconic mysteries. I mean, just the imagery of this kind of we envision this kind of dragon-like creature living in this mist-shrouded uh, lake, and you've got the old castle ruins uh, there, Urquhart Castle. And, yeah. You know, but you know, the, the thing is, when you speak to the locals, and it, it, there's no doubt they, they've capitalized on their monster legend, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, booming tourist industry. But um, the locals there, I mean, they, they most of them acknowledge there is something extraordinary in the lake. Some of them have seen it. Uh, pretty much everyone knows somebody who's seen it or seen something. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, they embrace it as, as a real thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mystery. It's a great mystery to them, but it's also part of their everyday lives. Yeah, you know? true. Okay, Ken, hold on. Uh, Ken uh, Gerhardt is with us. Uh, his latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. He studies things like the, he, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, werewolves, and we'll talk more about Bigfoot. He's been on a bunch of TV shows, and he's written some books, too. Uh, his latest is The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. If you want to jump in here, we've got comments, questions about these mysterious creatures or the legends the love, love like Bigfoot and more, 312-981-7200. Uh, and that's the Team Hockberg phone line. Dark clouds are blowing in the in your mind again You've got that sad, sad feeling From a broken heart Feeling so close to the end All right. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Ken Gerhard is my guest. He's an author and a cryptozoologist. And uh, his uh, latest book is The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And we're talking about some of these mysterious creatures that are legendary and that uh, Ken loves to uh, write about and uh, examine. Hello, Ken. Hey. Hey. All right. We have a guest. uh, We have a caller here, Trucker Rich, our good friend Rich. Rich, go ahead. Hey, good evening, Nick. Yeah. You you know, you guys have talked about in the past that Jack and Ozzy's World Detour. Well, now they've got a series on called The Osbournes Want to Believe. And on the last episode, they were showing UFOs, you know, the pictures and stuff, the government's saying, yes, this is something that we don't know about. So they asked Ozzy about Bigfoot, and he said he believes Ozzy's an alien and that he looks like that because it's a biomechanical suit so he can survive on Earth and be camouflaged. <laughs> that's Ozzy's and theory. Just, that's Ozzy's theory. Yeah. That's Ozzy's theory. Yeah, it's just great to listen to him come up with these theories, and yeah. you know, he's a very but, he's a very entertaining guy to watch, man. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it really I mean, it was it's fun. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. All right. Yep. Have okay. a good Have a good one. All right. Take care. That's pretty funny, Ken. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think a lot of people harbor kind of a secret fascination with some of these topics, and uh, maybe for someone like uh, Ozzy, who's a little more you know, kind of out there. It's, it's easier for him to kind of publicly <laughs> acknowledge that he's he's interested in these things. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, tell me about uh, when you when you wrote your first book, and and tell me about your your very first one. 
Well, my first book I wrote in 2007 is called Big Bird, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters. And uh, a lot of people are not familiar with this topic. You know, most people have heard of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and Chupacabra and so forth. But um, there are modern accounts. Uh, I've interviewed many people who claim that they've seen these giant winged creatures. Uh, some describe them as birds, giant birds with uh, wingspans ranging from 15 to 20 feet across, so like, like a small airplane. Um, other people have said they look kind of prehistoric, and they have kind of this pterodactyl sort of look to them. Uh, but it's interesting because if you travel across North America, you'll find widespread Native American traditions that speak about things called thunderbirds. And um, other than being, you know, a, a kind of a sports car and, and a fine wine, the name thunderbird also denotes these, these giant eagles or, or raptor-like birds that many Native American traditions talk about. So the modern sightings kind of line up very well with those uh, Native traditions. Uh, there's no physical evidence. There's there are no good photographs. No one's found a giant feather or, or a nest or anything like that that yeah. I'm aware of. But I I, I got to tell you, once you've you know interviewed dozens of people, very seemingly credible people that have had these these sightings, it, it becomes very convincing. Are they are, are are there areas that they're prone to, to? To are there certain places where they they see more sightings than others? Yeah, you'll in fact you'll like this. Um, most of the sightings, or, or one of the, the hot spots, is in Illinois. Oh, really? And yeah, uh, in particularly in central Illinois. Back in 1977, there was a young boy named Marlon Lowe, who allegedly was picked up by one of these thunderbirds and carried like, 30 feet, a couple of feet off the ground, until he fought and kicked his way free. And this was witnessed by seven people, and uh, made the local newspapers and stuff. And um, yeah, so, uh, you know, wildlife officials there locally tried to explain it away as something like a turkey vulture, but uh, there is no known bird that can pick up a 60-pound human uh, and, and carry them for any distance. So that's a pretty remarkable. So there were a lot of sightings in central Illinois around that time. Um, there also uh, there seems to be a lot of activity in Pennsylvania, for some reason, or central Pennsylvania. Here in Texas, where I live, we have a lot of sightings, particularly in the southern region near the Mexican border, and also up in the great state of Alaska, which I, I did a TV show up in Alaska a few years ago, and there were there were a lot of sightings up there as well. In Alaska, wow. Are the, yeah, that's, are, that's are the, you might expect to actually see them would be somewhere like Alaska, I would yeah. think. But the, are the descriptions very similar? Are the, 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 the creatures that people are seeing... When you talk to a witness, um, is the description of the of the creature very similar to what another person would say? Yeah, uh, and again, there there seem to be two archetypes. So the the bird type um, is described as having like solid fe colored feathers, usually black or very dark, a hooked beak uh, like an exipterid or a raptor type of bird, um, and uh, the other type. People say it, it, it doesn't have feathers. It has kind of a prehistoric look is how they, they describe it with kind of leathery bat-like wings. And uh, some people describe it as having a head crest and a, and a reptilian tail. So, of course, that's more of a description of a uh, not a bird but a, a flying reptile known as a pterosaur, which lived millions of years ago. So it, it's, it's, it's a real head-scratcher as far as why there are these two distinct archetypes and you know, whether people are seeing one thing and maybe just interpreting it in different ways. Uh, but who knows? But, yes, the descriptions are fairly consistent. 
are they at the, are the sightings uh, are they continuing is it uh, uh, what was the most recent one um the most recent one that i'm familiar with uh happened uh just a few years ago here uh, in san antonio texas where i live and in fact i was contacted by two law enforcement officers that that claimed they saw this thing while on duty they had been called out to investigate a strange flying creature over a neighborhood and, uh, of course, they went off the record. They didn't want me to use their names or, or didn't give me permission to But they wanted me to know that this thing was real, that they had seen it. So, yeah. uh, you know, that was pretty remarkable. And that was, just, that was the most recent uh, sighting. And, and, so that, and that was your first book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what other books have you written? Um, I wrote uh, a book called Encounters with Flying Humanoids, which covers uh, another type of flying creature, which is the Mothman. And, uh, you know, people probably heard of that, but uh, it's been reported mostly in West Virginia. But there are accounts of Mothman-type creatures all over the world, and uh, those date back thousands of years. You can go back and look at different cultures like the ancient Assyrians and Sumerians, and they had creatures like Mothman that they depicted in their different carvings and things like that. Uh, Yeah, we we, we had a hot spot. We were a hot spot for a while a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like Still. 2018. I think it was just a couple of years ago. The, the, in that summer, uh, the Mothman was all over the place in, in Chicago and in, 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 in the area. Yes, I was not the uh, primary investigator on those cases, but uh, some of the people that were investigating that were sending me the reports, and uh, I think they're still ongoing. I, I think I've seen some recent ones there. So, yeah. Uh, the, what? The, what's the legend of the Mothman? What's the? Uh... Well, Mothman is one of the weirdest creatures in the Annals of the Unexplained. It's described as looking kind of human-like, standing about six and a half feet tall with bat-like wings, 10-foot wingspan, uh, sturdy man-like legs. And people also say that it seems to be headless or its head is kind of low-hung, and it has these two giant red glowing eyes. That's the most remarkable feature that people report, are these big red glowing eyes that seem to have a hypnotic effect on on people who uh who experience it um it's been reported mostly throughout uh you know in and around a town called point pleasant west virginia right right right, right. starting in 1966 and um most of the sightings were in the late 60s 66 67 uh but again they're ongoing and uh, i've investigated and interviewed eyewitnesses in mexico for example there there have been uh uh, a number of Mothman-type sightings down in and around Monterey, Mexico, and northern Mexico in recent years. And have you seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And what did you it's think? Not bad. Yeah, no, uh, I, thought, uh, I thought it was entertaining. I liked it. The book has, you know, as is always the case, the book has just so many more layers. If anyone's interested in the movie or likes the movie, I would rec- highly recommend the book by John Keel that it was based on because he goes into a lot more... Uh, detail and stuff that they they didn't really get across in the movie, but the movie was good. Yeah, I thought it was, it was solid. I, I, it was very creepy. I thought it was yeah. really creepy, and that ending with the bridge is terrifying. Um, so, but well, yeah. that's the real tragedy behind the Mothman incident. Is this the Silver Bridge collapsed on December fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven? Right. Uh, there in Point Pleasant, and forty six people drowned in the in the icy river. Uh, so, I mean, to this day, people in, in Point Pleasant still associate the Mothman with the bridge collapse. Uh, some say he was his appearance was kind of a warning uh, or a harbinger of this tragic event, and that's actually, uh, that theory is borne out by different uh, 
traditions around the world of creatures like the Mothman, again, dating back centuries, that, they, that these things are somehow warning us or yeah. uh, omens of, of tragic events. But yeah. uh, that's a very profound and a very tragic thing that uh, that's associated with the Mothman, yeah. no doubt. All right, Ken, hold on, because uh, we want to get to the essential guide of Big- for Bigfoot and other uh, mysterious creatures. So hold on, Ken. Uh, Ken Gerhard is, uh, is an author and uh, studies... All of these very mysterious creatures, including, as we mentioned, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, and even werewolves. Yeah. And uh, we will uh, get back to that conversation uh, here on 720 WGN right after the news. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. Live here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN. Get some news and information from that great group. And then uh, your morning drive starts at 5 with the great Bob Surratt. 312-981-7200. That's the phone number if you would like to join us. Uh, Ken Gerhardt is with us. He is an author and a cryptozoologist. His latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And if uh, you love following these um, mysterious creatures and things like that, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, we would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. Hello, Ken. Hey. All right. Hey, before we get to Bigfoot, you, you actually uh, did try to find some uh, evidence about werewolves. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so that that one's a little bit far out, I guess, for people even that maybe believe in Bigfoot. But um, in 2008, I traveled to the uh, France, and there's a famous legend in France of a, a creature called the Beast of Gévaudan. Mm. And uh, supposedly back in the 1760s, uh, this creature, which was described as a giant wolf-like creature, they never positively identified what it was, went on a killing spree, a two-year killing, sorry, three-year killing spree. And, um, I mean, this is well documented. It, it killed as many as 100 people in, in pretty grisly ways, decapitations and disemboweling and things like that. And um, it, you know, it basically terrorized the southern France for three years. Uh, King Louis XV dispatched soldiers and wolf hunters, and uh, it, it turned into quite an affair. But uh, so... In 2008, I did a special for the History Channel, and they sent me over there with a homicide detective, uh, reason being that some people think that maybe there was actually a serial killer involved in some way. So it's a pretty complex story, uh, but there's no doubt uh, that, that this creature did exist, that it attacked a number of people. Uh, it was ultimately killed with a silver bullet. Wow. And uh, that is where we get the actual Hollywood gets borrows the silver bullet uh, trope from. That's where it comes um, from? That's where yep. it comes from? Wow. Yeah, the guy that shot this beast, uh, his name was Jean Chastel, and uh, he was a hunter, and he had a priest uh, bless some silver bullets that he had made, and uh, according to his story, this creature walked out in front of him one, one time in the woods, and he, he said a prayer and then shot this thing with the silver bullet. And uh, the, the carcass was 
subsequently paraded around the countryside. They wanted to show all of the people that they had gotten the thing and that they were no longer in danger. And uh, But by the time they got it to King Louis uh, the Fifteenth in Paris, it was rotting and decomposing, and it smelled really bad, so he immediately just told them to get rid of it. So uh, there's a mystery as far as, you know, where the remains of this, this mysterious creature are, but it, it, you know, the descriptions are basically were like a like a wolf, but much larger, uh, longer tail, uh, pointy ears, uh, sharp teeth, and uh, you know, very clever animal. It was it was able to avoid being captured and killed for quite a long period of time. Wow, that's fascinating. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, I love that that we now have the origin story. I've I've often wondered where the silver bullet thing came from. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as part of that television show, this was kind of cool. Uh, we actually did a ballistics test at the end of the show where we shot silver bullets to see how, how good they were in terms of. So I actually got to hold. I didn't get to shoot the gun, but I got to hold an actual silver bullet in my hand, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So is is this available? Is that special available uh, online or anywhere? Or? Yeah, it's called The Real Wolfman. Okay. And uh, History Channel still shows it sometimes around Halloween as a rerun, but uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime and some of the other sites. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but uh, folks can probably find it on a DVD yeah. if they're interested. Great. I'd love to see it. I would love to watch that. That sounds great. Hey, uh, you've, you've traveled around the world uh, looking for some of these creatures. What are some of the more memorable places that you've been to and uh, some of the places that uh, you've you found some of these you know mysterious creatures? Well, um, I mounted two expeditions in the nation of Belize down in Central America back in the early 2000s, specifically looking for a Bigfoot-type creature uh, known as the Sisamito, and also a second type of smaller sort of pygmy-sized Bigfoot known as the Duende. And uh, Duende is Spanish for goblin, and the local uh, Maya people say that the Duende is kind of like a little short, hair-covered uh, creature like a Bigfoot, but only about three to five feet tall. And uh, we were in an area called uh, the Chickabull Jungle. Uh, they're in the Maya Mountains, which is a very remote area. And uh, we, we did find some strange little footprints. They were sort of humanoid footprints with a pointy heel, uh, which was kind of interesting. And uh, that aligns very well with the legend of the Duende having pointy heels. Uh, so that that was kind of a a fun expedition. Uh, of France, as I mentioned, I've done a lot of research in Mexico, looking for the the chupacabra, uh, the, the the sort of the vampire like creature that's been reported down there, and uh, also, as I said, some kind of Mothman type creatures that are said to uh, to live in caves in the uh, Sierra Madre Mountains. So um, uh, those are some memorable ones for sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the chupacabra. This is, uh, you know, sort of one of my favorites of the of those mysterious creatures. How far back does the chupacabra legend go? Nineteen ninety five is when uh, the world first heard the name chupacabra, and um, it came. You know, the first reports came out of Puerto Rico. Uh, those were preceded by mysterious livestock killings, and um, you know, these these local farmers that were raising chickens and goats and rabbits claimed that something was killing their, their livestock and drinking the blood, draining the blood out of these animals, which they had never seen before. Shortly thereafter, there were sightings of a strange creature, uh, about three feet tall on two legs with spikes going down its back, kind of a reptilian look. 
uh, large eyes. And so that was kind of when the, uh, and the, you know, there was an interesting cultural thing going on back in the, of course, around that time in 95, the internet was just kind of getting yeah. going. And uh, there were some websites that sprung up. Uh, Princeton University put one, a Chupacabra website up. And uh, so it was kind of like the shot heard around the world, people all over the world that were, that were discovering the internet. Uh, had kind of an interesting new creature that they could kind of talk about and stuff. But uh, since that time, there have been sightings all over Latin America uh, and the United States. Uh, The descriptions are different, and it's very confusing to some people, but what I try to tell them is that the name Chupacabra, which is Spanish for goat sucker, uh, actually describes a behavior pattern, a predation pattern, rather than a physical description. So in other words, the name Chupacabra, I think, has been used gratuitously to describe different types of creatures uh, that perhaps gotten lumped together. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, the Chupacabra, I I remember when I first heard about the Chupacabra, it was like in the, uh, I think it was around the late 90s when I first heard about the the Chupacabra, and I I always found that one fascinating. You know, you mentioned, um, are are there creatures... uh, all around the world, are there, are there legends that are all around the world? Because you mentioned France, they have this, and and, uh, and other places. Do you just uh, hear from people around the world about their legends and their mysterious creatures? Oh, yes, absolutely. Wherever you travel in the world, and as I said, I've been very blessed. I've traveled to 26 different countries on six continents, and wherever I go, I hear about different types of mysterious creatures, uh, whether they, they're, you know, hominid, Bigfoot-type creatures, man-like and hairy, is one popular archetype. Lake monsters and sea serpents, things like the Loch Ness Monster, can be found in all over the world. And, uh, you know, the, the winged cryptids that I talked about, like yeah. thunderbirds. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's, a, there's actually the, the field of cryptozoology is, is fairly vast in terms of different types of mysterious animals that have been reported all over the world. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Ken, hang on. Uh, Ken Gerhardt is with us. Um, his uh, website is uh, KenGerhardt.com. He's an author and a, a zoologist, a cryptozoologist. And uh, we're going to jump into Bigfoot. Um, we got to talk about uh, Daryl. So uh, the book, the latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And uh, we'll talk about that on 720 WGN. Hey, if you want to join us, it's 312 981 7200. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock as we are every weeknight into the week morning. And that would be 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great group, and then the great Bob Surratt at 5 for your morning drive. Um, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. And at 2.30 uh, a.m., we always play back some uh, great Johnny Carson uh, clips, either some stand-up or a sketch. Uh, now we're going to play back uh, Johnny Steele's Letterman's Truck. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Speaking of intrigued, my guest is Ken Gerhardt. He's an author and a cryptozoologist. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. And let's say uh, hello again to Ken. Hello, Ken. Hey. 
All right. Tell us about the essential guide to Bigfoot. Well, um, I've been investigating Bigfoot for decades. Uh, never really occurred to me to write a book, believe it or not, until recently. Um, there, there actually, if you're into Bigfoot, there are some several several good books uh, that are available that had a lot of good information, but most of those are older now. And uh, what I really found discouraging in recent years is that as wonderful as the Internet is in terms of informa- you know, gathering information, uh, a lot of the uh, information with regard to Bigfoot is actually misinformation. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of falsehoods, a lot of hoaxes, and so forth. Uh, so I, I basically just wanted to put together a primer for people that are interested in the subject, uh, it compiles a lot of the best information, and uh, not just information I've gathered, but it's kind of a consensus opinion uh, based on the foundation of Bigfoot research that goes back decades. Uh, you know, there have been people investigating Bigfoot actively since the 1950s and before, and uh, I've been very blessed to have worked with a lot of the leading Bigfoot investigators in the world. I've searched for evidence all over the North American continent, from Alaska to Florida to, you know, you name it. Uh, I've interviewed hundreds of witnesses, and uh, I just, you know, I felt it was an important subject uh, that that required uh, a great deal of accuracy. And so, you know, I tried to sort of push back and dispel a lot of the misunderstandings and uh, misinformation out there. So, um, you know, it's the best evidence, some of the best sightings. uh, And, you know, I think most importantly, uh, for people that are, willing to accept that Bigfoot might be a reality, which I'm about 90% convinced that these things exist. I've never seen one with my own eyes, but uh, looking at the evidence for decades, I'm 90% convinced they exist. And if they exist, then there are certain zoological questions that have to be answered in terms of how many of these things can there be, where do they live, what do they eat, uh, you know, uh, so on and so forth. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I Hopefully, I addressed a lot of those questions in an intelligent way. Is the, I mean, Bigfoot's got to be the granddaddy, right? Of the oh, yeah. of, of mysterious creatures, has got to be right. Bigfoot's the rock star. <laughs> there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no question about it. And when did the when did the the sightings first begin? It goes back many, many, many years. Correct. Well, you have Native American traditions, like we were talking about earlier with the Thunderbird, you know, all over. For example, when I was up in Alaska, there were probably a dozen different names that refer to Bigfoot type creatures. Uh, Sasquatch is kind of an anglicized version of a, a Canadian Salish name that uh, that people knew about for for centuries. Um, but modern sightings, uh, you know, began to be documented. Well, something remarkable happened in the 1950s in Northern California, which was uh, these giant human-like footprints were being found on on logging roads, and uh, one one person had the uh, wherewithal to make a plaster cast of one of these footprints and take it to a newspaper. Uh, and um, they, that was the shot heard around the world. They, they put a picture of this guy holding this cast of this giant human-like footprint that was 16 inches long, and the editor of that particular newspaper uh, coined the name Bigfoot, mm. uh, which I wished... I'm sure he wished he had trademarked it now because, uh, you know, yeah. but, but that's, uh, that's kind of where we first heard about Bigfoot. Uh, the name Sasquatch uh, goes back to the 1920s in Canada, so that, that's what they were called before then. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the research has been going on for decades, and um, there's really a lot of evidence that, that people are not aware of. And wh- how did you discover some of this when you were, when you were putting the book together? Um, uh, you talked with uh, witnesses, you talked with people, you traveled around, correct, to get all this information? Well, you know, it's, it's a 
it's kind of a compilation of my decades of personal research, and I also interviewed uh, about 20 of the top Bigfoot investigators in the field uh, extensively to kind of get their thoughts and opinions and, and try to build uh, what we refer to in cryptozoology as an identikit. You know, that this is, this is the reality. If Bigfoot exists, this is the reality of what Bigfoot is. Oh, identikit? Yeah, identikit. So, you know, it's physical description. You know, one of the really compelling aspects to the Bigfoot mystery is that the eyewitness descriptions are very, very consistent. Uh, you know, if, if you go around the country, most people describe these things as looking very similar, similar size, uh, physical features, behaviors, and so on and so forth. And uh, have there been sightings all over the place? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there are heavier concentrations in the Pacific Northwest, California, Oregon, um, uh, Washington State. Uh, but we do have sightings all over North America. It seems like pretty much wherever you have a, an abundance of wilderness area. And there are some hot spots in the eastern United States as well, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, uh, the southern, southeastern United States. Uh, you know, East Texas, Arkansas, uh, but New York State, Upper New York State. So yeah, there, there are there do seem to be sightings all over. Wow, yeah, and and you know you can't you can't really. I mean, these people who are are are, are talking about these sightings, uh, they're you know reliable. They're right. They're credible. Many of the people I've interviewed that have had sightings are extremely credible, and particularly because many of them are are sort of lifelong outdoorsmen. You know, that, that a lot of the people that, that experience Bigfoot are people that are out hunting or camping or, um, you know, people that own ranches that are familiar with different types of animals. So I think that adds another layer of credibility because these people can distinguish, you know, what a bear looks like, for example, versus a Bigfoot and so on and so forth. Right. So, uh, yeah, what, yep, when you look into people's eyes over and over and over again, it, it becomes very convincing. Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you deal with skeptics? Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical myself sometimes, and I think skepticism is important. You know, the the proposition that there is a giant, hair-covered, human-like species, a hominid, running around in, in North America is pretty unbelievable. In fact, based on two recent polls, only about 18 to 20 percent of the, the general population thinks Bigfoot could actually exist. So, you know, like one in five people. So most people I understand... Uh, Everyone loves Bigfoot, you know, but, but only only about twenty uh, percent of us think that it could actually be real. Yeah, um, you know, I've de- I've dealt with skeptics my whole life. I, I actually I like the skeptical point of view because I think it's important to you know think critically and to be objective and not get sort of emotionally attached to the the possibility that, the, that these things exist because you know we'd all love for them to be real, but. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think the, the bigger problem are the hoaxers. You know, you have a lot of people out there these days making hoaxed videos for YouTube and um, leaving footprints out and things like that. And I, I think that kind of creates kind of a dubious air, uh, you know, that hangs over the field. Yeah, that's too bad. That is too bad. Uh, you know, B- B- Bigfoot is as popular as ever, obviously. I know that you've probably seen the Geico commercial. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just he's been a part of the part of the pop culture, the culture in general, for as far back as I can remember. Uh, Bigfoot is a pop icon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of, I think, sociological and psychological reasons for that. And, you know, as I write in the book, Bigfoot is essentially a reflection of our wilder selves. Right. Sure, uh, when sure. we look at Bigfoot, it, it kind of connects us in a way to the to the wilderness and uh, 
you know, it's supposedly so human-like that I think people are attracted to that particular aspect of it. Yeah. Would you call Bigfoot an American icon? Oh, yeah. (laughs) No doubt. Now, what about it? um, Why do you think people are a little bit hesitant or shy about their belief in, like, paranormal or or the strange? Well, um, you know, in in my circle, I I don't find that's the case, because obviously I run in that that group. Right, right. Um, I think people are generally, I'd, I'd say over the years, people have generally become more open-minded to, to the possibility that some of these things exist, Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, um, you know, it, 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 you know it, it, essentially it all boils down to what kind of person you are, and I think more people are willing to accept that there are things in our world, in our universe, that we simply don't understand and we haven't discovered yet, and uh, I think it's important you know, as a, as a species, that we maintain that that belief system, that uh, you know, that that sense of mystery and discovery and exploration. Mm, yeah, uh, it's fascinating uh, to talk to you, uh, uh, cryptozoologist and author uh, Ken Gerhard, and the uh, latest book is called "The Essential Guide to Bigfoot." And uh, what are your other books? Just throw out the titles here, real quick. Some of the other ones: Big Bird, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters, Encounters with Flying Humanoids. And a menagerie of mysterious beasts. A menagerie of mysterious beasts. I like that title. That covers that covers the whole gamut of, of everything I've investigated through the years. Yeah, and you continue so. you, you you continue your investigations, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, sadly, not so much this year for obvious reasons. Yeah. But uh, yep, I you know it's an ongoing process. All right. Well, uh, fascinating stuff. It was so much fun talking to you. The latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And your website is KenGerhard.com, and that's G-E-R-H-A-R-D, um, and uh, uh, author and cryptozoologist. And uh, you can look up uh, some some stuff online right there. Ken, a uh, real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me on, Nick, okay. and uh, hope everyone out there is staying safe and feeling well. Thank you very much, Ken. There you go. Ken Gerhard, uh, author, his latest book is The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And he uh, basically studies and looks for evidence of these mysterious creatures that we've all heard about for many, many, many years. Uh, you got your Loch Ness monster, you got your chupacabra, uh, you got your uh, Mothman, and he even studied werewolves. But his latest book is all about Bigfoot. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere. My lover stands on golden sands And watches the ships that go sailing somewhere All right. Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio, uh, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, here till uh, 4 o'clock. I just wanted to mention um, that uh, my father is uh, in the hospital, um, and... Um, uh, so, you know, hopefully he'll be back home tomorrow. Um, he had to have a blood transfusion, and uh, so these, they're going to have him, they're going to look at him overnight, but my dad's in the in the hospital. So if I feel a little distracted uh, as we get uh, later in the show, uh, that's why. So, uh, and, uh, you know, we're all hoping for uh, him to get out and get home and uh, feel better. But he's in great spirits. I mean, I talked to him a few times last night. Uh, but, yeah, he's uh, he'll be in until tomorrow, hopefully, They'll, uh, they'll let him go home uh, in the morning. I should say uh, today, later on today. So anyway, and thanks for the nice uh, thoughts, you know, my, as my dad's been going through a little 
uh, some health issues over the past couple of uh, couple three weeks. Um, but yeah, so hopefully he'll be home uh, in uh, today at some point. So anyway, um, so hey, uh, do you have any phobias? Hmm. Only one, really. What's that? A fear of haunted houses. A fear of haunted houses. A crippling fear of haunted houses. Like, I have to be taken out of the haunted house. Fear of haunted houses. Like, you, you're talking about, like, maybe during during Halloween time when they have haunted houses that yeah. you can visit? Yes. No, not just... I, I don't think there's that many haunted houses. Just, you know, they're not following me down the street. <laughs> not that kind of fear. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, around Halloween time... um. When I was a teenager, I used to get picked on a bit for being terrified of haunted houses. Absolutely terrified. You would, would you you would not have remotely survived that ha- that haunted house in Florida that we were in. It. it sounds like hell on earth. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Seriously, it was unbelievable. I've told this story before. Yeah. When we were on our way to to Disney World to, in Florida, we saw some signs on the side of the road that said, "Hey, haunted house," and we pulled over. Went in. It looked like a regular house. Didn't look haunted at all. It was like an air conditioner unit in the window. And went in. Weird lady. Took, that, took that the tour. Took the tour. <laughs> scared the hell out of us. We were traumatized. That you know, when you walk in, one. Let's just start with this side of the road on the way to Orlando. <laughs> Never a good sign. No disrespect to Orlando. Great place, but. You know, no one is selling you anything on the side of the road on the way to Orlando that you actually want. I promise you that. It's probably like man jerky or something well, like that. You, I mean, you know my lifetime love of horror. That's true. So when I as soon I got very excited when I saw the sign. It's a haunted house. I was like, oh, cool. Dad, we got to go. We got to try. And it. I was like, I don't know, eight. So mm-hmm. I was really young. You hadn't been scarred yet by anything, really. I was seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I I had seen you know scary movies, but hell, I saw The Exorcist when I was eight. Sure. This was pre-Exorcist, though, so I was mm-hmm. you know this might have prepared you for yeah, the exactly. Exorcist. This if little being walk through the haunted house prepared me. <laughs> so, and then number two, creepy lady. She was creepy. Very pale. Like really pale, long black hair. <laughs> I can picture. Did she like? She was. She. It, it was like she was Morticia. You know, but from the Adams family. So what? Except she, I find Morticia very attractive. Right. I'm guessing this lady was a bit wrinkled, a little bit. No. 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 Oh. No. 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 So she was. She was young. Uncannily. But pretty. she was. She had weird makeup on, like mm-hmm. pale. And uh, as soon as she walked out, I was like, "Ooh, maybe not." Because she was really creepy. She was really, really creepy. Okay. And she came out, and I was like, I don't know if this might not be a great idea. And then halfway through, when we were all terrorized from this haunted house, it was really so, funny. Years ago, I brought this up, and we did get calls and and uh, and stuff from people who had also visited this haunted house and never forgot it. So what was in this haunted house that scared you so much? Well, there was a dude with a chainsaw. Chasing us, okay. there was a guy with a you know those uh those horns that that people bring, you know they the like the can and you press the top oh, of an it. air horn air horn yeah okay there was a dude running around blowing an air horn out of nowhere, 
you know, uh, there were things popping out all over the place. They were chasing us. People were chasing us. Hmm. But I, you know, and I was, I was very happy to know that my family wasn't the only family that actually experienced this horror Mm -hmm. because we, I had listeners calling in, but yeah, you wouldn't have made it, man. No, I mean, the last one I went to was, I might have been maybe 15, and I was with uh, a group of friends, and they were people, I mean, we've known each other since we were kids. Yeah. And I think it was a corn maze and haunted house put on by JC's, you know, JC's like the the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. and they were like, let's go in this. I, I just wanted to do the corn maze. I was cool with the corn maze. We can do the corn maze. They wanted to go into the haunted house so bad. They were like, come on, Tom. Let's go into this haunted house. I was like, I don't know, man. I haven't been in a haunted house in a really long time. They really freak me out. There's just something about them. And I, come on. Let's go. Don't be a baby. Let's Let's get in there. And we finally go in, and literally within two minutes, I was, like, paralyzed on the ground. I couldn't move. Um, and they had to like open up a side door and like drag me and out. get you out and get me out because yeah. I was you know people well, thought I was having a seizure. Well, there's there uh, haunted houses have gotten very extreme over the past like twenty something years. I think it's ridiculous. Where some places they even make you sign a waiver before what, you go in. What kind of form of entertainment is that? They throw you down the stairs because it's padded <laughs> and stuff. Jeez, Christopher House. Christopher House. I want to say was the name of the one that was popular when I was in high school and uh, and just about out of high school. It's in Chicago, Christopher House. They would do one and it was very very intense. And people would wait online for like 2 hours to 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 go through it. I think it was called Christopher House. Does anybody remember 312-981-7200? It was like the intense crazy haunted house and it was so popular when I was in high school. Everybody went around uh Around Halloween time. So, I don't know how we got on the subject of haunted. Oh, because you're scared phobias. of Phobias. I have a, I and have a, a phobia. phobia. And we're going to get to more phobias, but we, I, I, I have to read this story about the 20-year-old woman who was found breathing at a funeral home after she was pronounced dead. So, but yeah, if anybody remembers Christopher House, 312-981, if that's the name of the of the place. North, north side of Chicago, it was on. I can't remember what street, but... All right, uh, we'll talk. If you remember Christopher House, give us a call three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We'll talk about phobias and this crazy story about the woman who was found breathing after being pronounced death. All right, it's uh, Nick DeGilio and WGN. Hello, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Uh, we are live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 o'clock as we are every weekday night morning. 312-981-7200 is the phone number, and that's the Team Hochberg phone line. Uh, we're going to talk about phobias and this crazy story about a woman who was found breathing at a funeral home after being pronounced dead. This is out of Detroit. Um, well, I was just remembering we were talking about uh, <coughs> some phobias. And uh, Tom is uh, terrified, won't go into a haunted house. 
haunted houses freak them out. So uh, I was talking about this uh, crazy haunted house in Florida that was just unbelievably traumatizing. And then there was a um, a haunted house that was very, very popular in high school. I believe it was called Christopher House. And uh, here's Linda on the phone. Linda, you remember Christopher House? Oh, my gosh. I love that place. I was in college and probably all four years. Each year I brought more and more people there just because it, it was just amazing. And where was it? Um, I'd have to go on, on, you know, like Google something and try to find it. Yeah. But it was more northwest, like you were saying. Yeah, because I, I remember it was very popular. You know, I went to Luther North, which is on the northwest side, and it was incredibly popular at my high school. The, I mean, the, oh my gosh, yeah. You start out with Frankenstein, who was over like seven foot tall. Yeah, and and then you and it was three. I think it was three stories. You went up two. Yep, and then you came down and you ended up in the basement. Yep, and and they were so cool because they picked up on what you were doing and they tried to split up the groups. And so your friend who you started out hanging on to with arm in arm, yeah. you, you were in different rooms by the time you oh, were yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Cool. yeah, Tom, you would not survive this, uh, Christopher House. Yeah, yeah it sounds they, terrifying. They, they split you up. They, they purposely take oh. you apart, take you away from the people that you were with. You got to go upstairs, you go downstairs, you end up in the basement. Um. It was very popular. I mean, the chainsaw guy was coming yeah, in. Yeah, there was you. another chainsaw guy. Linda, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. Uh, why? Why Why do you like the haunted house? I, I, I want to understand. I legitimately do. You know, that's the crazy part. I don't like haunted houses. But this one was, you you felt safe in a, in a controlled, scary area. And... It, it, it to me was like acting and a lot of it was just fun. Yeah, it was more like a roller coaster almost, where you were you were just having a good time, but you knew that there was a lap band on you, right? Right, right. It was it, it was right. incredibly Tom. It was incredibly popular. There would be uh, how long was that line, Linda? We'd have to wait in line oh, for like ever. You'd you'd be snaking around. The, they had that playground, yeah. So you were snaking around the playground, and then you were outside the building. Oh. And one year, they were throwing dummies off the roof. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The first time that happened and that body landed next to you. Oh, boy. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that would be great yeah. for me. I'm waiting in line. I'm already shivering, about to wet my pants, when all of a sudden a dummy falls next to me wearing a person's clothing. That's the last thing I oh, need. Oh, and, and it was a heavy dummy. It made this big plop. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's oh, and then they would... Like, they started from behind the line, scaring you. Um, so you didn't know they were coming because you're looking forward, seeing what's going on, laughing at the people coming out screaming. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you got a scary face on the side of your neck, and it's like, oh, no. Yep. You people are crazy, yeah. but more power um, to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for calling in, Linda. It was brought, brought back welcome. some pretty cool memories. Yeah, it did. Thanks, okay, Nick. Take care. Christopher House. That was a, that's where you went during the Halloween season. Chainsaws, running around. <laughs> Everything a kid could want, right? See now, here's here's what I don't here's what I don't I don't I, I guess I don't get it because you know you're terrified of haunted houses. You don't want to go to a haunted house, but your favorite genre is horror. Mm-hmm. Your favorite movie genre is horror. Is that because it's not? Because you're, it's it's distance, like you're watching it on on a screen or in a, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I was because I I thought about this when I was you know looking at this story with the woman who, yeah, uh, was you know woke up. Well, she didn't wake up. She was breathing alive in a funeral parlor, which made me think of that fear of being buried alive. Sure. Which is, I think, a fear that many people, while they might not think about it, if they bring it up to them, they're like, yeah, that sounds pretty scary. Yeah, and that's a, um, that's a phobia. You're talking about phobias. Yeah, that is definitely a phobia. It's a major phobia of mine. Like, I can't be, um, like, I can't be pinned down on my back. Right. I freak out. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even go under a coffee table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I could never work on a car. Sure. Like, sure, go, sure, sure. On, the, on the thing, go under the car, and uh, the whole buried alive thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a terrible my period. God, I, I was I remember seeing Serpent in the Rainbow, and I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. It's a lot to handle, but yeah. um, but I was thinking about this because I was like, yeah, I've had a lifelong fear of haunted houses. You could not pay me to go in one. I don't care. You, could, you couldn't pay me to do it because the psychological trauma would be too great. Um, but obviously I do love horror, but I think it is that separation. Yeah. I can say to myself that I am watching it on a screen. I still get, you know, I get the jumps, I get the, sure. Ooh, you know, I get, sure. I get the thrill, but I get to walk out of the theater when I'm done. It gets to all be a kind of head experience yeah. as opposed to a body experience. I like watching horror movies. That doesn't mean I want to be in a horror movie. I understand. Movie, you know, I understand. Sort of it, it, there is a difference. There's a physicality to it. There's an immediacy to it. Sure. You know, as opposed to just sitting in a movie theater and passively watching a movie. Although some movies do stay with you. Oh, absolutely. But I remember, man, I remember when I saw Hereditary. I couldn't. Same here. I could not get that thing out of my head. I wanted to run out of that theater. I mean, it freaked me. That movie freaked me out. That's the last movie that really did a number on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Babadook was was uh, was another one that that uh, was a lot to handle. Well, well, especially like you know, it, it preys on that fear of like the basement. You well, know? What was it? What was her last movie that we saw at the music box? Oh, the Nightingale. Oh man, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just. That was just intense. Not even a horror movie, just no. intense. Very intense. Very, very intense. Boy, she's a good filmmaker. Jennifer Kent, right? Correct, Amundo. Uh, that Babadook. Babadook, duck, 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 duck. You know I have the Babadook book at home. Yeah, you've showed me to, to great <laughs> jealousy. I've seen that, and then you've showed me the uh, the samurai sword you have signed by um, David, David Carradine, Carradine and um, Michael, Michael Madsen. Yeah. It was a, 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 the publicist sent it to me because Michael Madsen uh, blew off one interview that we had set up and was drunk the second time. So she's like, "Here's a samurai sword signed by like a real like it's not fake. It's like oh, yeah, a real it's, samurai." sword. I believe it. I believe it. Probably from David Carradine's house. He probably I just had this lying around. Yeah. So, all right. So here's the story that we were just talking about. This is out of Detroit. Residents in Detroit are left with more questions than answered after a, answers than after a 24-year-old woman believed to have died uh, was found breathing at a funeral home. This is so weird. The Southfield Fire Department released a statement saying paramedics responded to a call for an unresponsive female Sunday morning. When the paramedics arrived on the scene, they found that the woman was not was uh, a woman not to be breathing. According to the statement from the fire department, the paramedics performed CPR and other life-saving methods for 30 minutes. After their efforts, uh, given medical readings and the condition of the patient, it was determined at that time that she did not have signs of life, quote-unquote. Authorities uh, say per standard operating procedure in a situation where foul play is not suspected, the medical examiner's office was contacted and given the medical data. 
The medical examiner's office again determined the patient to have expired, and her body was released directly to the family to make arrangements with a funeral home. WXYZ um, reports hours later, staff at the James H. Cole Funeral Home realized the woman was still breathing. It is unclear what led up to the call for the unresponsive woman. Authorities are not releasing additional personal information on this woman at this time. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy, man. I don't know what's crazier. The woman, you know, breathing in a funeral home after being declared dead, or the fact that there's a station in this country with the call letters WXYZ. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's 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 terrifying. You know, it's like the, you, have, you've heard the stories of how they used to tie a, tie a bell to yeah. you after they buried you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, how prevalent was that? Because back when you know medicine was not nearly what it was, physicians were not nearly wait. You know, there's a there's a there's a saying that came from that. The bell thing, a dead uh, is that a dead dead ringer? ringer? I want to say a dead ringer. Dead ringer. I know that there's a phrase that came from that where they used to they would put a bell in the coffin. Yeah. So. Uh, to prevent death by burial, a string would be uh, tied, would be supposedly attached to the finger of the person presumed dead. Right. And it was attached to a bell on the other end above ground. When the person moved, the bell would ring. And that was what you would call a dead ringer. Dead ringer. That's where it came from. All right. All right. Uh, well, that's pretty creepy. That's pretty creepy. <laughs> So we're going to talk about uh, phobias because you know I, I believe it's a it's a common phobia to to be afraid to be sort of buried alive or to have that um, claustrophobia kind of a thing. I know I have that, but we're going to talk about phobias. Do you have any uh, fears or phobias? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Um, we would love to hear from you. What uh, what uh, phobias do you have? What are you freaked out by? What are you? Uh, what's your fears? Uh, phone lines are open at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, and uh, we'll uh, get to that conversation. Uh, but first, we got to uh, jump into the newsroom. He actually earned it that time. Yeah, man. It totally sounds like a, a white snake it, it song. It definitely does. So, uh, it's not though. It's Starship. Starship. So it was Jefferson Airplane to Jefferson Starship to Starship to Starship. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and they got increasingly worse with every different name. By the time we built this city came out, it was over. I like nothing's going to stop us now. Isn't that from Mannequin? Yeah. It's in Mannequin, right? Oh, yeah, it is Mannequin. That's the one with, uh, what's her name? Samantha. Yeah, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. And that's Andrew it. McCarthy, right? Mm-hmm. And James Spader is the over-the-top villain. <laughs> what, a, what a weird casting for James Spader. Yeah. We walk the night remember we walked the night i do from tough turf 
T-U-F-F. <laughs> Tough Turf. James Spader, Kim Richards. Classic. 1985. Terrible movie. Saw it 19 times. Ah, uh, yes. Wasn't there Mannequin 2 on the loose or something? Wasn't it? What was the... Because t- I know there was a Mannequin 2. And... On the move. <laughs> And it was two completely different people, right? Yeah, William Ragsdale and Christy Swanson. <laughs> William Ragsdale. I met him. Nice guy. He seems like an all right guy. No, he's a nice guy because they, the, they had the Fright Night reunion mm-hmm. um, at uh, Flashback a couple years ago. Nice guy. Very nice guy. All right. Uh, so the the phobias. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a head case. I don't even know where to start, personally. Well, definitely claustrophobia. Ah, uh, yes. Because of the thing about being on your well, back. You're going to suffer from fistophobia if you, <laughs> from Midnight Run. <laughs> if you don't shut up, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, 312-981-7200. Do you have any, uh, any fears, any phobias? Share them with us. 312-981-7200. We'll cure them. No, we won't. <laughs> Don't claim that. We might cure them. This is just a dumb overnight radio show. We're not going to cure anything. So. All right. 312-981-7200. Uh, social phobias are the most common type of fear. They are considered an anxiety disorder and include excessive self-consciousness in social situations. Some people can fear being judged, so they just avoid specific situations like eating in front of others. Up to 1 in 20 people have a social phobia. That seems about, I mean, that's, that, that seems about right, 1 in 20. I actually thought it would be even less, like 1 in 15, 1 in 10. Uh, we got agoraphobia, which is a fear of open spaces. While it is generally understood to be a fear of open spaces, agoraphobia is much more is a much more complex fear. It is a serious anxiety disorder that can trap people in their homes or make leading a normal life next to impossible. And some people with agoraphobia avoid specific places or venues. Yeah, that's got to be. I mean, that's got to be really. You know, just to have like a crippling fear of just going outside. That's scary. Um, how about acrophobia, fear of heights? I have that. I didn't have it when I was young, when I was a kid. And you can't remember what would have made you develop that? I don't know, and I wasn't afraid to fly either. Mm. But I remember when we went to, uh, the first time I, was, I ever freaked out on a plane, um was when we went to New York to put up Vinyl Shop in 1999. And I remember just like suddenly I'm on the plane and I'm like, uh, my wife was like, my ex-wife was like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, well, I'm uh, I'm suddenly afraid of flying. Like I can't walk, we're 18 stories up. I can't walk to the the edge of this window and look down. I will completely freak out. Mm -hmm. 
Because these are the windows are almost you know from from ceiling to floor here. I'm surrounded by windows here in the studio, so I could not walk over and like look straight down. I would completely freak out. Uh, some people fear heights so badly, the escalators at local shopping centers give them vertigo. Vertigo is different to the phobia, and is the sense of dizziness people can develop. For others. A clifftop lookout or a tall building make their head spin. Here's here's the weird thing. You want to know? You want to know this is this is this is a weird thing. Very very weird, but uh, but true. And I've heard it from other people. I've heard it from other people. Um, when I am, let's say I go to visit somebody. Like I, my buddy Mike used to live at Marina Tower, and he was on the 29th floor, which is high as far as I'm concerned. And he had two balconies. And um, so this is this is true, Tom, and I think other people have this. Uh, if I'm up in a building, and it's and and I go outside, and you know, like 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 if I'm on my buddy Mike's balcony on the 29th floor, and I'm outside, I have in in my mind, I have the the urge to jump. Like I think in my I think in my head, I could jump right now. I could just jump. And I, I remember telling I remember telling that to my uh, to my uh, ex mother in law, and she had the same thing. And we were just like, "What?" Like I thought it was just, but then I I found out that other people do have that. There's this weird thing where you're up very high up, and you're outdoors, you're outside. You go, you know, I could jump right now. I could just jump over this balcony. And so I told my ex mother in law that, and she's like, "Yes, I have the same I have the, the the same thing." So, I don't know. Uh, here's Jim on WGN. Hi, Jim. Yeah, hi. Um, there was a movie back, I'm an old guy in the 70s, and I had a, uh, after I saw this movie called Premature Burial with the actor named Ray Milan. Yeah, Ray Milan. It's, ba- it's based on the Edgar Allan Poe story. Hold on a second, Jim, yeah, okay? Hold on. Hold on a second, Jim. Hold on. We got to get to the newsroom. You got a, a severe uh, storm. Got a severe thunderstorm warning from the National Weather Service for northwestern McHenry County and Boone County until 2.15 this morning. Uh, There is a severe thunderstorm making its way through the area. They are expecting hail damage and winds of up to gusts of up to 60 miles an hour. Uh, Areas could be hit. Belvedere, Woodstock, Harvard, Marengo. Um, Also the Boone County Fairgrounds and the McHenry County Fairgrounds. So again, that's in effect until two fifteen. Thank okay. you, sir. All right, thank you. All right, Jim, you wanted you were talking about premature burial with Ray Milland. Yeah, sixty two. I was only fifteen years old, and after I saw that movie, that gave me a phobia. I guess you could say. Yeah. Because uh, uh, the movie based on this guy who had this, he had he had a fear of being buried alive. Yeah. If he, if he became comatose. And uh, so he supplied his tomb with all these escape routes and things. Right. But uh, it did affect me somewhat during my youth. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I mean, it was a sc- it was a scary movie. It's also it's a, it's a very yeah. it's written by Edgar Allan Poe, so of course it's going to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. All right, Jim. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. Premature burial. Very claustrophobic. Very creepy. So. Uh. Now, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce this. Uh, Pater Romer Hanophobia. That's fear of flying. 
Do you know how to pronounce that? Yeah, I was actually <laughs> I was trying to do it earlier, and I had it right, and now I can't remember how to do it. Uh, fear of flying. I'll just say fear of flying. Yeah, it's it's also um, more simply named aviophobia. Okay. But, uh, you know, this is kind of both a test of your knowledge of phobias and Latin roots. Well, my, I, I also suffer from this, from a fear of flying. It didn't happen until 1999. Suddenly I'm freaking out on a plane, and I would never have been afraid to fly before. Uh, it says, with all the media coverage of air disasters, it is understandable many fear being in a plane crash and hence have a fear of flying. But with more than 100,000 commercial flights around the world each day, the chances of being struck by lightning are higher than dying in a plane crash. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Over the years, I've gotten a little bit more shaky on planes. I used to not really have a problem with being on planes. But yeah. now when the turbulence comes in, I do oh, get I a little... I can't stand it. I get a little tense, but then I just focus on what I'm doing. I can't stand it. Yeah. I can't stand it. I totally freak out. Yeah. Well, that's... Everybody's like, oh, it's, it's safer than driving. It is, though. Yeah, but you know, you, when you're in your car, you're not 30,000 feet in the air. <laughs> that's true, but also you don't have every you know moron in the world well, with a driver's license. Yeah, know? it's true, but you're in a tube full of idiots in a plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as we learned from our, our friend Sean Kathleen. Yeah, that Sean can Kathleen, often be an insane worse. stories. Yeah. Oh, the feet. Oh, the feet. Yeah. Forever. Well... I wonder if there's a feet phobia. If there's a philia, there must be a phobia. I'm sure there is. I mean, it, it, there is also. I mean, you know, people have a fetish, a foot fetish. Yeah, so I'm sure the I'm, I'm sure that the opposite is true. I wonder if there's a love of flying. Is there aviophilia? Talk to Ben. Uh, good point, man. <laughs> ben, producer here at uh, WGN. He probably yeah, I could see that. Yeah, aviophilia, Mister Anderson. <laughs> I do that to him all the time. I know. You know his middle name is Thomas. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Ah, <laughs> good Lord. Mr. Anderson. Okay. Uh, well, we're talking about phobias, and if you have one, you have a fear, let's talk about it. 312-981-7200. Nick DeGilio on WGN. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio as we are every uh, weekday morning, uh, night into the morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great group, and then at 5 o'clock, the legendary, the one, the only, Bob Surratt has your morning drive. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number. Uh, coming up, um, we're going to go to check out, it came from Amazon and, uh, these are real items that you can buy on Amazon and real reviews of customers who, uh, who bought them. <laughs> and, uh, some of them are really funny. Uh, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson. Um, you know, the Johnny Carson show is on antenna TV every night and we always play back uh, funny clips at two thirty. Uh, you know, we play some stand-up sketches or interviews. Well, right now we're going to play back Johnny Steele's Letterman's Truck. So, 312-981-7200. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Uh, let's see. Here's Don on WGN. Hi, Don. Hi, Nick. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy this uh, topic. It's very interesting. Um, 
I always have a phobia with uh, like storms and like being caught in a flood storm and lightning strikes. You know, whenever I see these newscasts uh, of people in trouble with that. Yeah, I'm not real good with I'm not real good with storms either with uh, with thunderstorms or lightning. I'm not real good with that either. Um, I know some people love it. Some people love it when it storms. They can sleep, and uh, I, I just uh, it freaks me out. I'm not good. Yeah, and I like uh, you know with the internet these um, videos of just lightning randomly striking. You know, it's yeah. caught on camera. That, yeah, that kind of adds to the frightening of uh, lightning. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. That's that's another one that I, I boy, I'm just a head case. All right, Don, thanks. All right, thank you, Nick. All right. Here's uh Dan. Dan is in Israel. Hey Dan. Yes. Good morning, Nick. Hi. Uh, I'm calling from Jerusalem. Two two of my phobias are of height and I'm extremely claustrophobic. And I'm also a, a airplane pilot. Wait a minute, you're afraid of heights but you're an airplane pilot? I'm a, that's the only time I feel secure about height and close space is in an airplane. Wow, that's really fascinating. That's really yeah. fascinating. Wow. So you're you're an airline pilot who's afraid of heights. That just to me is just that's uh, that's really fascinating and strange. It's, it's an it's an oxymoron, but what can yeah. I do? What can you do? All right, Dan. Thanks for uh, listening to all the way in, in Jerusalem. I appreciate that. I'll let you know, last Thursday when you were talking about this guy with the nine-pound strotum, do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was a show that was on TLC. Well, you had my wife and me in stitches to the point I almost crashed. Uh-huh. Oh. We were laughing so hard. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't crash, uh, 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 Dan, but thank you, for, me too. thank you for listening. All the way from Israel. All right, take care. Okay, buddy. We reached the whole world, man. He almost crashed because of the nine-pound scrotum. And didn't we find out it was like 124 pounds? Oh god, it was even heavier than we could have ever imagined. You, like I look, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at it. Well, listen, I looked at it. We, we, it was, when I first said it, you know, you you were like, "What?" Because I was like, "Yeah, but, uh, with me and my nine pound scrotum." I literally thought you were doing a bit. No, I thought you were seriously doing a bit. That's the learning channel. That's what we're learning about. 132 pounds 132 pounds scrotum that's what we're going to learn about tonight on the on the learning channel what will we learn tomorrow uh, who knows okay uh claustrophobia the fear of enclosed spaces um entomophobia fear of toms no fear of insects okay i'm sure the people who who are freaked out about insects right yeah because that's ent- entomology. Entomo- entomophobia. Entomophobia or whatever. Yeah, entomophobia. Uh, ophidiophobia, fear of snakes. Indiana Jones famously quipped, I hate snakes, he's not alone. A fear of all things long and venomous is common to many. The great thing about snakes is that if you leave them alone, they will leave you alone. Um, cynophobia, fear of dogs. Fear of dogs is a common phobia, particularly among children and door-to-door sales agents. I didn't have a fear of dogs until I got bit by one. And then I did have a fear of dogs, which, you know, makes sense. You get bit by a dog, you're going to be a little hesitant. 
Yeah, and I was, how old was I? 12 when I got bit by that dog. Then I had a nice, healthy fear of dogs after that, especially dogs named Duchess. Here's Lulu on WGN. Hi, Lulu. Lulu? Lulu? Okay. <laughs> she wasn't there. Um, astrophobia is fear of storms. That's what we were just talking about. Uh, it's understandable why the booming sound of thunder can send people's hearts racing and fear a fear of storms is common. I got this one, too. I'm a, I'm a, I just need to be put away. Yeah, I think there's a nearby lunatic asylum. No, I think it's so, I think I should just be locked up. I, I'm afraid of storms too. I'm afraid. What, what, what what's going on here? You have a fantastic fear of everything. You have panphobia. Jeez. Oh, is Lulu there? Yeah. All right, Lulu, go ahead. Hey Nick, can you hear me? Yes. I have a fear of vomiting. You have a f- and there is an actual term for that. Yeah. But I couldn't find it on the internet. I didn't have time. Yeah. Um, and mostly it's not me have me to throw up. It's being in any group that I think someone's going to puke and I have to leave. Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a, well, Lulu, it's it it's it's very common that if someone is in a room with someone vomiting, they might vomit too. Yeah. No, it's common. It's, that's yeah, not sympath- th- if you're a sympathetic puker. Yeah. No, it's true. It's absolutely true. I don't want to see somebody vomit. I'm going to get you know. I'm going to get. I'm going to get sick a- a- as well. So. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes people just don't realize it, and then it, you're at a party and it just comes spewing out. It's like, oh yeah, my god, you, I gotta you, go. You've been going to all the wrong parties, apparently, Lulu. Well, this was many years ago. Yeah, the right <laughs> ones. All right, thank you, Lulu. All right, yeah. thank. Uh, ametophobia. That's fear of vomiting? That's the fear of vomit. Ametophobia. Fear of vomit. In general? Yeah, an extreme fear. Not just the act of vomit? Vomiting, seeing vomit, watching other people vomit, or feeling sick or nauseous in general. Wow. I think that's kind of natural to to not feel well when someone's vomiting and, and it gets you upset, gets your stomach upset, could get you going too. That seems like, that seems normal to me. And then the last one here is trypanophobia, which is a fear of needles. Having a sharp piece of metal stuck in your arm is always an unpleasant thought to many people, and many people develop a strong aversion to needles. But needles are typically worth the pain with them either delivering vaccinations, delivering blood donations, or helping to investigate a potential illness. Or even creating a tattoo. I, oddly, I don't have a fear of needles. That's one of the yeah. One of the things I don't have a fear Seriously. of. I used to have a fear of needles, and I got over. I don't it. like them. Yeah, I can't. I will say I can't look if someone's drawing blood from me. If I have to like yeah. get blood, I, I cannot look. I have to have like my phone in my hand or something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, that that's that's you know because you get all weak in the knees and stuff like that. That's that's you know. Uh, here's Joe on WGN. Hey, Joe. Uh, hey, Nick. How you doing? All right. What's up? Uh, just calling in because uh, uh, I have a really bad uh, fear of heights. Mm-hmm. 
so I remember when you had mentioned earlier, you had a fear of heights where you, you feel like if you look down, you feel like you're, you're going to jump. Yes. And it's weird. I, I've had that feeling, too. Like if I'm somewhere where I'm like on a high porch or yep. a high ledge where I can look down, I, I I'll think, look down. I, I'll look down, and I think, you know what? I could jump right now. I yeah. could jump. That's like I, I like I look down, and I imagine going down yep. and falling. I, I, same thing, man. Jumping. Yep. Same and thing. I, I, it's like I have to I have to get away from that area yep. so I don't either fall or jump. I'm like I got to get out of here. When I mentioned this before, that I, I, I when I'm outside and it's high up, I have the urge to jump. I just think, look at that! Yeah. I can just jump right now. When I mentioned that, I couldn't believe my ex mother in law. My ex mother in law said, "I have that same thing." Yeah, and yeah. I've had that for years, and I always yeah. thought that was weird. And I'm like, I wonder yeah. if anybody else has. I got yet, it. So. I got it, Joe. So unreal. Yeah. Okay, thanks, man. Okay, take yeah, care. You can add it to the uh, kitchen list of all the phobias and weirdness that I have. I need to be just put away. I think I've got a straight jacket in my car if you need it. Yeah, I think I'm going to need it. So You just need a vacation. Yeah, no, I don't. I have a fear of vacations. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to do, it came from Amazon, and uh, these are real items and real reviews from customers who purchase these items, and some of these are absolutely hilarious, and we do this every once in a while. Again, real items from Amazon and real customer reviews. It came from Amazon. That's coming up, but first, let's get into the newsroom. All right. Hi. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. Here till 4 o'clock, as we are every uh, weekday night slash morning. Uh, Tom Husher, my producer. Hi, Tom. Hey. <laughs> I don't know what you want. Anyway. I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> A little bit later on, we're going to uh, be talking about uh, some marketing slogans, some of the best uh, product slogans, because um, KFC is ditching finger licking good because of the coronavirus. You know, a little too too little too late here, right? You know, well, we're, we're yeah. in month what? Month six, seven? Yeah. But I don't even think they say finger licking good anymore. Yeah, all I can remember is the period of time where they had several different actors yes. playing the Colonel, which I thought was great. I thought it was hilarious. I did too. It was, I know they had Norm MacDonald, they had uh, Jason Alexander at one point, Reba McIntyre. Yeah. Uh, Peter Weller, right? Peter Weller? No, he's doing Robo. They had RoboCop. They did the RoboCop one. Oh, that's right, and it was Peter Weller. It was Peter Weller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout at me. Do you order from Amazon? Uh, more than I'd, I'd care to admit. Yeah. It, well, you know. It's convenient. It is. That's what. That's the thing, man. It's real convenient, you know. But if I can, I try to get it locally. If, if, if I can, I try to give my money to local businesses. 
Well, uh, people have ordered. Uh, have you ever ordered anything strange on Amazon? Three one two, or just online in general? It doesn't necessarily have to be Amazon. There are a lot of other places where you can order products from on the intranets. Um, so, uh, an online shopping has become very, very popular because you could just go right now. It's three o'clock in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning. You can just go. You know, I'm gonna well, order. I'm gonna order some soup. The freaky thing. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for Jewel to be open. I need soup. I gotta have soup, even though it will probably take longer for it to get here. I got my two o'clock. My two o'clock in the morning soup fix. <laughs> Is there a better time for? Yeah, it's like ninety-five degrees out. You know, it really a, hit the spot like a nice big hot bowl, bowl of soup. soup. <laughs> Extra chunky. Yeah, because I'm a man. Um. But yeah, I mean, people order all over the place. Uh, you know, the, the online uh, shopping, and I know it's you know very popular at Christmas too. People avoiding all the crowds and all the lunacy of Christmas shopping helps us save. It helps when I have to buy Christmas presents for my cousins in the UK. Uh, helps me save on shipping because I just order it through Amazon.co.uk and have it delivered directly to their house. Well, that's that's convenient. Mm-hmm. That works. I always, you know, like, because I'm, I'm terrible at gift wrapping, I get it gift wrapped. Oh, my God. It's the best. And very, it. They're very nice, too. They, 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 Solid. They, they yeah. put it, they, they wrap it up nice. Also, they put some of them, they put some of them in, in a really cool bag with mm-hmm. a ribbon. Yeah. And tissue paper. Yeah. So, well, uh, have you ever ordered anything uh, that you got online and, and then when it showed up, you went, what the hell did I order this for? What was I thinking? What? Like my friend who uh, whose girlfriend was sleeping with his best friend, and he was drinking a lot, getting drunk, woke up one morning, went downstairs to the lobby of his building, and there was a box addressed to him with the entire Girls Gone Wild DVD collection. <laughs> so 312-981-7200, if you've ever ordered anything uh, from Amazon or online, and it turned out to be kind of weird. But what, we, what we're doing here is, it came from Amazon. What the? Who was that? That was a... Who was that? That was the, uh, the Amazon man. Was that from a specific... No, it's just the Wilhelm scream. No, it's not. That's not, that's not yes, the Wilhelm. Yes, it is. No, it's not. What's the Wilhelm scream, then? It's a female scream. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. Why would it be called the Wilhelm? It's a it's a guy. It's the Wil- Wilhelm. How many girls do you know Wilhelm? That's a scream that's u- that's the scream that's used in everything. Yeah. Why am I thinking that the Wilhelm scream is not that? I don't know. It's just a damn scream. <laughs> I'm not even going to do this with you right now. I'm. I- <laughs> Uh, so if you've ordered any items on the online uh, thing and it turned out to not be great or it was weird or, or it showed up and you got it and you were like, why did I order this? What was I thinking? What's wrong with me? Because it's just so easy. You just go online, get your mouse, clickety, clickety, click, order some stuff. Don't even have to leave the room. 
and then the stuff shows up like uh, you know a week later and you go uh geez that was a mistake I was up till four o'clock in the morning ordering stuff on Amazon and now I don't want any of this stuff so uh, we're gonna go through some real items what what's what the deal is this these are real items that you can get on Amazon absolutely real and um the reviews are real what was the one review of the cold steel what was the um i want to say it was microwave cooking for one that's what something. it was <laughs> microwave cooking for one was the was the book that's like now, the, now the, i have something else sa- to put in my mouth other than the cold steel of my grandfather's shotgun <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's grim that's the that's the funniest one that's the funniest one of, of all time and uh, and these reviews are very funny some of these reviews are absolutely hilarious as you will hear but yeah God microwave for one it was a cookbook oh that's depressing just the title of it that's like uh that's like you know Campbell's soup soup for one oh man I don't want to be reminded. Microwave cooking for one. All right. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break here when we come back. It came from Amazon. Real items that are on available for you to purchase at Amazon. We'll tell you about them. Some of them are really just goofy and weird. And uh, real reviews that go along with them. 312-981-7200 if you've ordered stuff online that you think uh, was a mistake or weird. All right, (laughs) 312-981-7200. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on uh, 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're going to talk about some uh, product slogans, some of the more memorable marketing slogans and product slogans coming up. Uh, We've got classic Johnny Carson, the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch it every night on Antenna TV. And we play some classic comedy uh, from Johnny Carson. And uh, sometimes it's uh, some stand-up, sometimes it's an interview, sometimes it's a sketch. Uh, well, this is the description of what we're going to hear from the classic Carson world. Johnny steals Letterman's truck. <laughs> That's coming up. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the number if you've ever purchased something online and went, why? It came from Amazon. These are real, <laughs> these are real, uh, products and real reviews of products, so... The customers got the products and then wrote reviews. And some of them are just ridiculous and hilarious. The here's the first item is Moonlens Outdoor Ultralight Portable Folding Chair. Moonlens is the company. It's an outdoor ultralight fold portable folding chair. And here's the review. The this chair fixed my marriage issues. Is the is the headline? When Donna kicked me out of the house and took half of my belongings, I was left with nothing except for this chair. Thanks to this chair, I was able 
to sit there and reflect on all the things in my life that keep me from bulldozing our house and setting it on fire, just like my ex-wife did to my heart and soul. (laughs) Ever since I bought this chair, I've been comfortably participating in my favorite activities, such as drinking Coors Banquet beers with my boys every Saturday morning and the evening. Saturday morning. Uh, watching sports and sleeping since Donna has the bed uh, that I bought on Amazon years back. I have started a GoFundMe account that will be that I'll be able to afford a mattress. So until that day comes, this is my bed and I love it. Thank you, Moon Lens. <laughs> These people, man, they got a lot of time on their hands. From all the things in my life that keep me from bulldozing our old house and setting it on fire, just like my ex-wife did to my heart and soul. <laughs> uh, all right, Elongdi Water Beads Pack Rainbow Mix. It's fifty thousand beads growing balls. What? I don't even understand they, this. They're like little gel beads that when you put them in water, they grow. That's it? Yes. That's all they do? You put? Yeah, but they're like squishy and stuff, and they're fun for kids. Elongdi water beads, pack rainbow mix, 50,000 beads growing balls. <laughs> you get 50,000 of them? Yeah, they're really little. They start out really little. Well, how big do they get? Read on. Size of a watermelon? Not that big. You get 50,000 of those things. It's going to take up the whole house. All right. um, Here's the review. Bouncy, slippery hell balls slash Satan's caviar. (laughs) That's the headline. Bouncy, slippery hell balls, Satan's caviar. Reviewing these is hard. They do exactly what's advertised. They absorb water and get bigger, and my kids love them. But hey, five stars for that or outdoor activity. Uh, However, it took about 30 seconds to realize that the water beads are a playpen work from home time. took five minutes to realize I'd made a huge mistake. Um, Gift them to kids if you hate your parents. Parents... Gift them to your kids if you love trying to pick up thousands of bouncy balls covered in Vaseline. And do not, under any circumstance, uh, think it will be a fun idea to do in the kitchen and maybe sweep up a few wayward beads afterwards. They bounce everywhere in the thousands. They are slippery and pop when stepped on, but are impossible to sweep up or pick up. They are now called Satan's Caviar and Bouncy Slippery, bouncy hell balls at our house. And a few loners uh, just live permanently in every room now. So please be warned. Buyer beware. Good, cheap, fun, sure. But hours of consequences for five minutes of play. And oh, I only used a few teaspoons to start with. I have almost the whole jar left. So there's your value for money rating. What is the purpose of this product? Kids just like to have... You know, squishy toys. It's like, what's the purpose of Silly Putty? Well, Silly Putty, you can uh, copy the comics with it. 
Ooh. That's better than a ball. Just a teen, a, a ball that grows and is wet. <laughs> At least it does. It accomplishes something. However minor that may be. Yeah, I don't understand that product. I don't understand it. They'll just sell anything to kids, right? Oh, yeah. The here's amount of a, crap I bought. Here's a, here's a box. It's like uh, the back of comic books selling you x-ray specs. With a feather. Yeah. In each eye. You're like, ooh. Yeah. I'll you're be able to, to see you're supposed through to, clothes. You're supposed to hold your hand up in front of you. Mm. And that's you're supposed to see bones. Mm. Yeah. Didn't work out, did it? You ever get sea monkeys? Um, I did not get sea monkeys. I was given a fair number of goldfish that I won at the fair. Yeah. Well, sea monkeys were just like shrimp larvae. Yeah. Little things. And they, you know, I, I love the, the advertising for for sea monkeys. They've got like this whole world down there, you know? Mm-hmm. They, they, he's dressed up like a king. He's got a scepter. He's got a whole family. You really believed, you know. You and then you, you then you put it you put it in the water, and it's just like it looks like dirt, yeah, floating around in the water. And you're like, what the <laughs> hell is this? Sea monkeys. Oh jeez. I had them. I had them. Did you have a flea circus too? No, I had an ant farm. You did have the well. Ant farms are cool though. Yeah, they're very cool. Big big into ant farms. Yeah, ant farms are cool. Yeah. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they do a didn't they do a cover of uh that Michael Jackson song? Smooth Criminal. Yeah. Yeah, Alien Ant Farm. Alien Ant yeah. Farm. I like I like that song. It was good. All right, how about Shark Bands? It's a B A N Z, one word, Shark Bands. Shark Deterrent Band. One out of five stars, waste of time and money. My boyfriend and I do a lot of scuba diving in the Caribbean. We bought two bands and thought we'd see how it went. Unfortunately, it definitely seemed to attract more black tip reef sharks than it did repel them. They were so curious about our magnetic energy that we were nudging them away with our GoPro selfie, st- <laughs> selfie sticks um, when we wore them. On the days we dove and didn't wear them, the sharks stayed away. It was so bad that uh, we were the butt of several jokes on our dive boat because of the amount of attention we received from sharks while diving with them. The greatest irony of all, you buy a band to prevent shark attacks, you end up attracting even more. Right, but they had to push them away with their... Uh, their selfie stick. With their stick. selfie stick, their GoPro, their GoPro selfie sticks. <laughs> I think that's my favorite detail. Is the GoPro? Yeah, the GoPro selfie sticks. Hey, get away from me, shark. Yeah. You have a selfie stick? No. I don't know. Do I look like the kind of guy that would have a selfie stick? I don't know. What is What What do people look like with with selfie sticks? They kind of look like this, you know. Well, they, no, you can't. It's radio, by the way. Oh, yeah. Crap. Yeah. You well, just, they, you usually see them out on the Michigan Avenue Bridge holding a giant metal pole with their phone on the end of it. Right. And on a certain level, you kind of hope the phone falls out of the case and just straight into the river. Right into the river. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I 
I don't want to ruin anybody's fun, but get off the damn bridge. I don't do uh, I don't do selfies at all. Mm. No, your Facebook profile picture is a rotating sort of yeah. Uh, my, right camel. now, my Facebook profile picture. What the hell is it? Oh, it's the it, <laughs> it's Will Forte as the Falconeer. <laughs> oh, Donald. Uh, maybe I should buy that off of Amazon, a book on falconing. Sure. That way I can become the falconeer. Do you have to get a falcon named Donald? Oh, Donald. Will Forte did you so Will Forte was just such a weirdo on SNL. You know what I mean? He was just a weirdo. I mean, a very, very funny weirdo. Did you see that movie with him and Will Arnett? The Brother Solomon? I love that movie. It's it, not my favorite, but it is weird. It's, it's very funny. hilarious, and it made a buck. Nobody went to see that movie. I think it's hysterical. Will Forte co-wrote it with his writing partner, so of course it's weird. Hey, you know they're making him a Gruber sequel. Finally, <laughs> yeah. Considering it was one of the biggest bombs in the history of movies, yeah. It made it, it gained cult status. It's got cult status for sure. I laughed my butt off when I saw that movie. I thought I thought MacGruber was hilarious. So, all right, more real items from Amazon, accompanied by real reviews from Amazon, and we'll do more of that uh, right after we uh, jump into the newsroom for some news. Hey, Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. And uh, we are live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, more uh, items from uh, Amazon. It came from Amazon. Real uh, items that you can get at Amazon. Real ad- items that you can get at Amazon and uh, real reviews of those items. And we'll get back to that. But uh, every morning around 2.30... Uh, we like to play some uh, stuff from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. And uh, and every morning around 2.30, we like to uh, play some clips, sometimes some stand-ups, some sketches, some interviews. Well, let's play a clip. Do we know what year this is from, Tom? Uh, so this is from 1986. 1986. Okay, so we're going back to 1986 for some classic Johnny Carson. Again, you can watch it every night on Antenna TV. It's awesome, so watch it. Uh, this is Johnny Steele's Letterman's truck. Let's hear what this now, is all about. I have, I have something I want to show you, because I knew you had this, although I hadn't seen it. Uh, remember the last time you were out about three or four months ago? Right. David has a home out in Malibu. I won't mention exactly where it is, because we were only about eight blocks apart. And I was out walking one day. Oh, yeah. Can you believe that? He's out, out walking? <laughs> and I passed this house, and I saw this beat-up red pickup truck. That's I don't right. know how old it is, 15 Seven, or 20 no, years 73 old. 73 Chevy, and that's not, it's not what I would call beat up. Well, <laughs> we're going to find out. And I said to David, I, said, I called him, we were talking on the phone, and I said, I thought you had it out in front of the house, because when tourists would come by, <laughs> even though you have very expensive sport cars in your garage, you, you put that out to, so people would come back and say, hey, my God, he's just like us, he drives a pickup truck. 
you know, you leave it there so everybody can see it. He's yeah. intruding on the street. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, being a member of the Malibu uh, yeah. Community Property Owners Association, uh, I went by your house this morning on the way to work. No. No. And I, and I want I to show you. I took this picture myself. Right. Now. Right in front of David's house. Oh, no. Now, if you drive around Malibu, it's a nice neighborhood. And I think this potentially, as a a homeowner, is is a bit of an eyesore. No, it's not. Even though it's it's nice. And so, today, and I will take full responsibility for this, call me vigilante, if you wish. I dispatched some people to your home, because I've mentioned this to you before. Oh, good. This is what I need. Strangers roaming around in my front yard. So... Would you roll the tape that we made this afternoon since you have come? This is a view of the truck. Oh, we no, took this to, no, I want no. you to see this fine automobile close up. Take a look at the appointments now, inside the, thing, the cab. It was locked. Now How look at this. this. Look at the seat. <laughs> this is David's truck. Yeah. Look, yeah. At, look at this. Fine automobile. Parked out in front of expensive homes in Malibu. Rust spots, this thing is disintegrating. So I said, I said to the people in Malibu, do you really want this around? Now, you have to admit, David, we talked about this before. Yeah. So here, here's what we did, and I take full responsibility for no. this. No. Oh. We'll ro- roll into the next tape, Bob. We're just, oh. we're just rolling ahead here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This happened late this afternoon while you were at the studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here we go. Oh, good. Good. Steal it. Sure. Uh, what, what, did you get some of Gaddafi's boys to go out there? What the hell is this? They're stealing a truck. Now we... No. We had a neighborhood watch. We had to move very quickly. Oh, God. So what's next? Kidnapping I, my girlfriend? I thought That'd this be was... Good. Uh, no. And there you go. I figured now, as, as a pilot, I figured as a citizen, I did have a right to improve the community. So, David, <laughs> like a citizen's arrest here, David, this oh, no, no, is no, your no, truck. No, 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 no. Patrol. No. My truck has been stolen. It's been returned, but I am pressing charges. Okay, David. No. I tell you what I'll do. I'll make you a deal. Like a little auto theft clinic for the kids. That's right. Tell you what I really want to do. I'd like to buy the truck from you so I can put it in front of my house. So people will come by and say. Oh, God, that Johnny Carson's a real, real Midwestern. Look, he drives that piece of crap like that. That's right, a piece of crap. That's hilarious. That's great. God, I love David Letterman. I love both those guys. You know? Wow. I was obsessed with Letterman. You know? Since 1980. Mm -hmm. 
since he had a morning show on NBC, 9 o'clock in the morning. I will say I did watch an interesting cable access, public access uh, interview with uh, Bill Hicks. Yeah. And um, and I, I'm not a huge fan of Bill Hicks. I think he was pretty funny. But Oh, I um, thought he was great. I thought Bill well, Hicks was great. Yeah. And uh, also a very tragic way to go, yeah. you know, having yeah, a dying yeah. of cancer. But um, he actually uh, got totally cut from Letterman one time, and he was, like, really not happy about it. He was really, really against it. He got it. bumped? He didn't get bumped, I guess, because they tape it, obviously. Oh, and they cut his performance. They cut his entire performance. Were, was there a reason? Was it controversial? Because Bill Hicks was well, yeah. Bill I Hicks mean, was an edgy comedian, right? We're, of course, we're talking about Bill Hicks, um, yeah. who was you know very much tackled every taboo topic Absolutely. that would come to mind. Um, but I guess he, the material he did was apparently approved by two different producers. It was pr- approved twice by two different producers, and then finally, after it was shot, CBS took issue with it, and then NBC. Took it, or NBC uh, took issue with it. Wait, I thought Letterman was on. Oh, oh, on Letterman. Yeah, yeah it was oh, on Letterman. Oh, not oh on, yeah, they never Car- put Bill Hicks on Carson. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah. that's CBS. Yes. Um, yeah, so CBS took issue with it. And or unless it was when, when he was doing late night. It was no. This was yeah, from it was, the, it was when he followed Carson on no, NBC the, because it was, when it did was Hicks definitely die? CBS. Uh, Hicks wouldn't have died until the nineties, early nineties, I would think. Right? He died nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. Okay, so, that, so on, but by that point, Letterman did have the show on CBS. Right, he was only about a year and a half in. Right. So Bill Hicks, but he went on this uh, this cable public access show, and like really was mad about it. He's like, uh, apparently they said that uh, that his uh, content was unbecoming of uh, or, or the regular, you know, the le- the regular Letterman viewer wouldn't appreciate his comedy what and bill hicks was like well seeing as i'm a regular letterman viewer i don't really see how that makes sense and he, he kind of laid into the show a bit um but i just thought it was interesting i just thought it was an interesting thing yeah that's just uh it's a little weird that they would cut bill hicks um so well and he i think he specifically called out letterman because he later found out that letterman wanted uh, so, at least some of it cut because he made uh, jokes about religion, which apparently Letterman is like will will not really touch that. Like that was one thing during his tenure that he tried to avoid as much as possible. Yeah. So. Well, you do want to avoid that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah, generally speaking, well, on a show like that, yeah. Even even though Letterman was considered like the edgy one, you know, he was he was new comedy at that time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's weird. Uh, all right, more uh, real items from uh, Amazon. Ready for this? Um, ho, ho, oh. It is eyebrows for the eyebrow Santa. <laughs> eyebrows for the eyebrow Santa. The beard is sewn directly to the hem of the hat, which means that the eye hole is on a normal-sized head positioned directly over the forehead. This is fantastic if you're aiming to dress as a Santa Claus with locked-in syndrome who can only communicate via wiggling of these eyebrows. But most would uh, probably describe that as a depressing, more depressing than festive. On the plus, though, the beard is quite fluffy. 
So this this whole thing is is like the beard takes up the entire face, and there's just like a little break in there for your eyes. So the entire face is hair. So it's like a werewolf Santa. <laughs> All right, let's do some weather. Going to be hot, that's it. Today, um, heat and humidity will dominate. Mostly cloudy, uh, chance of thunderstorms around daybreak, becoming partly to mostly sunny by midday, hot and humid. Temperatures near 90 and mid-90s south and west and, uh, west and south. Uh, variable winds about 10 to 15 miles per hour. Fair but muggy overnight, lows in the 70s. Uh, for uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, becoming breezy and very hot. Record or near record highs in the mid to upper 90s. Daytime dew points in the 60s. Um, and uh, the winds are going to increase by around noon. Thursday, little change. Chance of an isolated thunderstorm or two. Mostly sunny. Continued breezy, quite hot. Highs in the mid to upper 90s. Um, and uh, for Friday, hot and humid. Building clouds um, will hold the highs into the low 90s. Scattered thunderstorms will... Uh, Happen in the afternoon, but more likely in the evening. And then for Saturday, lingering clouds around daybreak gives way to sunny skies. Um, winds out of the northwest at 15 to 20 miles per hour. Drier, cooler air will hit the region. The temperatures will peak into the low 80s for most areas. Uh, we just got to get through these next three days with this ridiculous heat. Um, O'Hare, 82 right now, 81 at Midway and 81 at the lakefront. All right. Let us take a quick break. When we come back, we've got more items uh, from Amazon. Uh, It came from Amazon. And uh, more items, more real items, and real reviews of those items. Yeah! That solo Stevie Nicks? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's 80s, man. That's very 80s. I still love that scene in... Uh... What, School of Rock? Yeah, School of Rock. I Joan... love Stevie Nicks. Joan, Joan Cusack drinking the beer. Oh, it's super funny. Yeah. Super duper funny. Edge of 17 is what he would... Uh, yeah, she... Yeah, she goes crazy for Edge of Seventeen. Yeah. Which who wouldn't? Come on, that song rules. Yeah, that's a great movie. School of Rock. Those kids, man. That la- the last ten minutes. Every time I watch School of Rock, I cry during the last ten minutes. Well, you know what happened to that guitarist kid, right? What guitar? Which one? The one, uh, the lead guitar kid, Zach. No, he got busted and arrested, ironically, for stealing guitars. Get out of here! He did. Dead serious. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had Becca Brown on the show a bunch of times. Which one was she? Cello. She's a baseball. Oh, player. really? Yeah. She's yeah. all adult now. I mean, she's in sure. Her, she's in her twenties now. Mm-hmm. It was weird too because she came in. She's like in her. I, I would guess that she's because that movie was man. That movie was like two thousand two thousand three three right. So she's got to be in her mid to late twenties now. Well, she she'll be older than me because I was about nine when that came out. Somewhere like about eight or nine yeah. years old, so um, 
Yeah, she'll be a little bit older than me. Probably, I'd, I'd wager about 28, 29. Yeah, something like that. She, uh, anyway, she came in, she came, she was in studio a couple of times. She was with, a, she had, she was here with a local band. She came in studio a couple of times and uh, was talking about sex and stuff. And I was like, I can't. You're I the, can't do this. I can't do that. You're the girl from School of Rock. Uh, you know, but I realize she's an adult now. But uh, it was just weird. It was weird. Very sweet, though. And very funny. So, uh, 312-981-7200. We're going to talk about some uh, famous product slogans and some marketing slogans as well. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about some of these Amazon items. These are real items that you can buy on Amazon, and these are real reviews of people who did buy them. Here's a book, right? Uh, Immortality is Accessible to Everyone, Volume 11. Lissa Diology, Commentaries to Fundamentals. So it's Immortality is Accessible to Everyone, Volume 11. Uh, and the, the review is simply, I died. This didn't. This book didn't work at all. <laughs> All right. Okay. A World of Deals. That's the company. A World of Deals. Uh, cl- two clear Ziploc bags, 9 inches by 12 inches, 100 piece. Here's the review. It's a good old-fashioned bag. Finally, a bag without a choking hazard warning. Just lay these around the park and bam. One week later, the park is all yours. No whiny kids... Judging, judging parents, dogs barking, just silence. <laughs> and by the way, do you see at the bottom of this review, it says one person found this helpful. No choking hazard warning, just leave the bags all over the place. All right. Uh, what's the item here? This has been scratched out. The item has been scratched out. The name of the item, I believe. But I can give you the. I can give you. I the think review. it's a. I think it might be a smoke. Uh, smoke detector. A smoke detector. Yeah, it's a smoke detector. Okay. Uh, the color of the smoke detector is white. It says, "I was drunk and I'm not sorry. I had to buy this because I put my friend's smoke alarm in his toaster oven to get it to stop beeping when I was drunk." And burnt a frozen pizza, and it melted when his roommate made a hot pocket the next morning. So smoke detection, 5 out of 5. Durability in a toaster oven, 1 out of (laughs) 5. I was drunk, and I'm not sorry. That's the big headline. (laughs) They gave it it 5 stars in the top, but that's for uh, smoke detection. Uh, but not durability in a toaster what, oven. What would possess you to throw it in a toaster oven? <laughs> All right. Uh, keeps the car cool but has issues. Okay, so it's one of those reflector standard accordion shades that you put in the in the in the car, the reflector side out, so that it keeps the car cool. My parents have one of those that they put they put in the window. Uh, really hard to drive with this. 
I love this product, but it keeps it, it keeps my car nice and cool. But I will say that the only defect I have found so far is that it's very hard to drive with this on. I've had over five wrecks since I purchased it. After my first fender bender, I decided it was my it was best to roll down the window and stick my head out to see the road. But even that's hard because my eyes and mouth dry out very quickly. Since then, I've purchased some swimming goggles and a snorkel, which <laughs> which helps me out during tremendously long drives. Overall, I would recommend this product, but only for those who are good at driving without being able to see the road. Hey, didn't it Ace Ventura, didn't he bust his windshield and had to stick his head out the window when he drove in Ace Ventura? Uh, oh, boy, that's... That's going back a little bit. I'm going to say probably. I think he busted it. I know they do it in Pineapple Express because they try to kick out the front. They try to kick out the front windshield, and then his foot goes right through the windshield. Right, 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 right. I think he he has a busted windshield. His his windshield is busted or something because I think he drives with his head sticking out the window. Uh, Microwave Meals for One, which we were talking about earlier. It might be the most depressing title of any book. Right? Microwave meals for one. I'm going to go home and microwave something just for me. I feel terrible because I do that every morning. Yeah, but you don't you don't live alone. <laughs> I know, but for, uh, for like the hour or so, two hours before my uh, fiance gets up, it's very lonely. I sit but in- you have a girlfriend that you live with. I know. You know, but I, she's microwave, in a different- I microwave stuff. I live alone. That's depressing. Do you want to talk about it? No. Okay. Uh, it says, buy this book or don't. I don't care anymore. This is one of the reviews. I used to be that I got home from work, and the only thing I'd want to put in my mouth was a cold, the cold barrel of my grandfather's shotgun. Then I discovered Sonia Allison's chicken tetrazzini, and now there are two things. <laughs> that's That's got to be the best one. That's up there. I mean, it used to be that I got home from work and the only thing I'd want to put in my mouth was the cold barrel of my grandfather's shotgun. That's hilarious. All right, the perfect cookbook for the single life. Before this book, preparing food was a long and tedious task. Now I can prepare prepare delicious meals for myself in no time at all. I now have much more time to get drunk (laughs) and curse my ex and then weep uncontrollably in the corner. (laughs) Uh, that's hilarious weep uncontrollably in the corner and curse my ex and get drunk I've been there (laughs) I think I've only cried over one girlfriend ever I've only cried over one ex really yeah not me no well, you're a sensitive guy. More than know. one, I can tell you that. You're an artiste. You're a writer. Uh, sure. Sure. That's the excuse you want to use. <laughs> what, how would you put it? I'm a head case, man. We've discovered yeah. oh, that. Oh, yeah, I forgot. All right. Hey, listen. Um, KFC is ditching finger-licking good. You upset about that, Tom? Incredibly. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep when I get home. 
But anyway, that was a uh, a very very popular uh, slogan. What are some other very very popular product slogans, and also marketing slogans? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred for your very popular product slogans and marketing slogans. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. Uh, it's a Tuesday morning, 312-981-7200 is the phone number, and that's the Team Hochberg phone line. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, slogans and, uh, you know, uh, uh, product slogans and um, marketing slogans. And uh, we want to hear from you. What are some of the best ones? 312-981-7200. Kentucky Fried Chicken has decided to pause using its finger-licking good slogan because, well, it's not the best idea right now. Several months after um, several months after health officials recommended everyone stop touching their faces to help stop the spread of the coronavirus, KFC said Monday that the 64-year-old slogan doesn't feel quite right. We find ourselves in a unique situation, having an iconic slogan that doesn't quite fit the current environment, said Catherine Tan Gillespie, the global chief uh, marketer, marketing officer at KFC, at KFC in a statement. The menu isn't changing, and the company said the slogan will return when the time is right. To be clear, Monday's announcement is a marketing campaign, clever one perhaps with good intentions baked into it, but a marketing campaign nonetheless. KFC blurred out the slogan, featured on old billboards and signs, uh, and released a cheeky ad on its YouTube page. KFC, like most fast food places, uses bizarre, self-effacing, and at times hokey marketing ploys to bring customers into their stores. Fast food is a low-growth, zero-loyalty business with razor-thin margins, so any bump in customers is a major win for a quick-serve restaurant chains. In the past, KFC has poked fun at itself by hawking chicken-scented clogs, chicken-scented Yule logs, and best of all, finger-licking good chicken-flavored edible nail polish. And that's probably not coming back anytime soon. Um, so so uh, uh, health experts are saying that you should wear masks and uh, wash your hands thoroughly and avoid touching your face as, uh, as a way to prevent COVID from spreading. And also similar to other fast food restaurants, KFC temporarily closed down its dining rooms in March and encouraged customers to order via its drive-thru or delivery. It also installed plexiglass countertop shields between employees and customers, required workers to wear masks, and implemented health screenings before shifts. So uh, there you go. So no more uh, finger-licking good, Tom. I'm a little disappointed. First, to get rid of the wedges. Uh, see, now I don't even want to discuss that. An old man can't get his, old man's his wedges. Old man's got to get his wedges. And uh, now he can't even lick his own fingers. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I get, like I said, I, I, I get why they're doing it. It just seems a little, it's too little too late. You know, now they're yeah. doing this. Yeah. So it's, yeah, as mentioned in the article there that you read from, uh, from CNN, um, it's, it's clear. It's just a marketing ploy. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's, I mean, it's another way of marketing. So, all right. Uh, but uh, figure looking good. Classic, uh, classic slogan. Been around for many, many, many years. And uh, Bill Paxton says it near dark. He used to be my text tone for the longest time. Finger licking good. <laughs> All right. We have uh, more slogans here. We want to we wanna hear from you at 312-981-7200. See, here's uh, John on WGN. Go ahead, John. Hey, uh, Nick. Uh, hope you're well. Remember the cigarette commercials that springtime would happen every Salem? No. Or that you would rather fight than switch from Terryton cigarettes? Oh, yeah, that I remember, yeah. yeah. Or how about the little dabble do you from Burl Cream? Yeah, little dabble do you. That was a classic. And that was a classic slogan. Bring around the collar. Yep. The ancient Chinese secret and the high karate cologne. That one sticks in my mind all these years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton of them. I mean, they get you know the advertisers are uh, looking for a catchphrase and looking for a slogan all the time. All right, John. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nick. All right. Here's uh, Erod on WGN. Go ahead, Erod. Hey, Nicholas. Uh, uh, I thought that uh, KFC dropped Kentucky Fried Chicken, so that would be the second logo they dropped. But John kind of. Uh, touched on what I wanted to say, which was the slogan, more doctors recommend and smoke our cigarettes than any other brand in the country. What was the brand? Oh, uh, Camel used it, uh, Chesterfield, they all used it. They all used it. They all said that doctors are recommending this brand of cigarette. Yeah, more doctors smoke it than any other brand. That's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. All right, thanks, Erod. Thanks. 312-981-7200. It reminds me of Mad Men. Yeah. It's toasted. Yeah. Well, that's that's a real thing. I know, it's Lucky Strikes. Yeah, it was Lucky Strikes. It's toasted. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, and I, um, I went through a period where I was, uh, when I was smoking, I smoked old gold. What? Old gold. Old gold. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh... <laughs> Never heard of old gold. Oh no, I've heard of old gold. Yeah. But most of the time, it was when I, when we were teenagers. It was you know someone. Try you were wait you would wait outside the Walgreens. Guys would wait outside the Walgreens and try to pay uh, seniors in high school to go buy them smokes out of the Walgreens, mm. and um, or someone was would fighting. You get old gold? No. <laughs> or uh, there was you know you'd have uh, guys who would find you know a hidden pack of Winston's somewhere in their dad's desk drawer. <laughs> Winston's Winston's were menthol, weren't? No, no, those no, are not no. menthol. My mom smoked cool 100s when she smoked. <sighs> menthol, man. Yeesh. 
My dad, camel. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's break here. I've got some slogans and some taglines that stand the test of time. 312-981-7200. What are some slogans that you remember and some taglines that that you found uh, catchy and kind of unforgettable? That's what the whole advertising world is about. 312-981-7200 on WGN. I have a picture pinned to my wall. An image of you and of me and we're laughing with love at it all. Look at our life now. Hey, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio on downtown Chicago. Here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place to the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great team. And then at 5 o'clock, it's the one, the only, Bob Surratt for your morning drive. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We'd love to hear from you. What are some uh, slogans and taglines for products that you remember? Some of the best ones. Um, 312-981-7200. Uh, here is uh, Lake Geneva. Dan, Dan, go ahead. Yeah, morning, Nick. Wife and I are watching Sven and when the deadly mantis is crushing those cars, he breaks to, hey, that old car's worth money. Yeah, well, that's a legendary, legendary commercial locally. We hit the floor. Now, isn't he watched nationwide with... Would yes. somebody in Yes, he's nationwide, yes. Would they get that joke, Victory? No. <laughs> okay. No, they wouldn't. Talk to you later, bud. Okay, take care. That old car is worth money. Such a legendary local commercial. You know I had the dude on who pulled the door off the car. Uh, it's like how do you even track him down, you know? Well it was like, called a, Victory it was like the t- it was like the twenty no, they did an article. In the, oh, they, they did an article. Yeah, it was like the, the 25th anniversary of the commercial or something. So I had the, the guy on, and he was he he was a driver. He was a tow truck driver. He was an employee. And when he got to work, they were like, you're going to be in this commercial. So what he's wearing is his own clothes. So that big leather wristband that he's got, the watch with the big leather wristband, that's his. So he just showed up to work, and they're like, yeah. And they paid him 20 bucks. That's it. Never saw another dime. The commercial's been running for 30 years. Damn, dude. 30 years that commercial's been running. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, 20 bucks. He was not happy. I interviewed him. He's not happy. So, but yeah, no, I mean, that old car's worth money. I mean, you know exactly what that is. Uh, let's see. Here's Doc on WGN. Go ahead, Doc. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dinosaur was sponsored by Chevrolet in 1950. It seemed like every week she would sing, be able to see the USA in a oh, Chevrolet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, uh, mid-70s, so Speedy Gonzalez was uh, introduced with a little plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Yeah. Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. Alka-Seltzer had and another you were talking, one. Alka-Seltzer had another you, one. They had, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. like time to go make the donuts. You know? oh, <laughs> I love yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's for anybody that's ever gotten up in the middle of the night to go to work. Yeah. And you were talking cigarettes. You kind of miss Winston. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember seeing maybe on the Jack Benny show, the little uh, super short bellman that would come into the lobby and, you know, call for Philip Morris. Oh, yeah. Philip Morris cigarettes. Philip Morris, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, lots, you lots know what they say, there. nostalgia isn't what it used to be. Yeah, it's not. Okay, Doc, <laughs> thanks, buddy. All right, good Take care. It's funny to, to watch, like, um, the old... Um, black and white game shows mm-hmm. from like the 50s and, and the 60s because it's just so crazy like they would give people cartons of cigarettes as prizes like you know, woohoo and the and the and the entire show would be sponsored by by chesterfield or something Different times, man. Yeah. Well, I remember there would be whenever I would I used to subscribe to Rolling Stone because even when I was like when I was a teenager, I thought Rolling Stone was like the cool like or subscribing to music magazines mainly was like my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I used to get Rolling Stone and Spin. I was I was I, I subscribed to Rolling Stone for many years. Yeah, uh, Rolling Stone and Spin, and uh, in Rolling Stone they would often have these ones that were like Newport Pleasure, and I could not for the life of me figure out what they were for. Because I had never seen Newport cigarettes before. Oh, you've never seen them before? Yeah, and they can't show them smoking. So they would just be, oh, Newport Pleasure. I was like, what is this? What is this thing that is being advertised? That's um, menthol. Right, right. Newport is menthol. Yeah. Yeah, the advertising is advertising is, is a weird thing, man. You, but, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And if you hit a good catchphrase, if you hit a good slogan... I mean, you, you you can use it for years and years and years. And people know it right away. Like, as soon as they hear it, they know the product. They know what you're selling. They know whether they like it. You know? That's what a good slogan is. It's catchy. It's memorable. And it evokes the product. And then it gets stuck in your brain. It's like, It becomes like a worm. What do they call those things? An earworm? An earworm. It becomes like an earworm. Stuck in there. Can't get rid of it. Can't believe I ate the whole thing. That's another uh, Alka-Seltzer. That's a spicy meatball. That's Alka-Seltzer. That's Alka-Seltzer? Yeah. That's a spicy meatball. (laughs) Because you get indigestion when you eat the the spicy meatballs. Yeah, true that. So, yeah, Alka-Seltzer had a bunch of them. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, or whatever relief it is. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think... uh... I feel like Pepto Bismol had a really catchy one. Pepto Bismol. Oh yeah, I know it uh, coats and soothes. I know that. Well, no, it's like uh, they used to have a thing where it, they list out what what it would cure. It's like oh yeah, upset stomach. Oh no, that's still that's still yeah, they still do that. You know? They got a dance number that they do. Yeah, on the plane. They're on, I think they're on an airplane in, <laughs> yeah. in one commercial, and they got the dance number to all the symptoms that yeah that are just I just can't remember what it was in the order. Yeah. I can't remember either. So, all right. Let's see. Oh, we got a uh, special marine warning for Burns Harbor to Michigan City, Indiana, Gary to Burns Harbor, uh, Calumet Harbor, Illinois to Gary, Indiana, and Northerly Island to Calumet Harbor, Illinois. So, we'll keep you posted on... uh, any of the weather things that are happening here this morning. 
Uh, let's see. Here is uh, Terry on WGN. Hi, Terry. Hey, Nick. Good morning. Hi. Hey, you probably remember this one. I think it was a late 60s, early 70-ish Timex. It takes a licking oh, and yeah. keeps on ticking. Yep. And, and I think they used to, if I recall, it's been many, many years, obviously, but I think they used to have, like, a series of, like, stunts or things that they would either hit this watch with a hammer or drop a brick on it or something, and yeah, then they would no, have a close-up of it They would still see the hand running, correct? Yeah, yes, that's right. And I think they did smash it with a hammer. I think they, like, smashed the watch with a hammer, and then it right. takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Yeah, and the funny thing about that slogan is it, it, I, I remember it being applied to other things over the years. People would say something that was durable. You know, they would just kind of appropriate that slogan. Well, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Even though they weren't referring to a watch, it was right. kind of appropriated to something that was lasting and, yeah. and had high quality and, and was durable. Yep, so. yep, and that became a, it became a saying on its own. You're absolutely right. Very good. Okay, Terry, thanks, buddy. Cool. All right, All thanks, right. thanks Nick. All right. Bye. When I played football, there was a kid in our team we called Timex. Because he took a licking and kept on ticking? Yeah, he was, uh, he was an offensive lineman. Would he just get nailed and just get right back up? <sighs> I mean, that kid, I mean, he was one, he was a beast of a boy. I mean, we were probably 14, and he looked like he drove himself to practice. Um, but he would, just, he would just get absolutely hammered by kids. Like, cause he would just he put it, he would put himself in harm's way for anything. I remember in sixth grade, like sixth, fifth or sixth grade, uh, there was a guy who looked like he was twenty, who was in our class. Seriously, it's it's weird. It's very weird. And he thirteen year olds. He was like actually he was. I mean, he was, so this is like fifth or sixth grade. So you're like, what are we talking like? Oh wow, eleven. Yeah, ten or eleven, twelve years old. Eleven and twelve. Yeah, he looked like he looked like he was. He looked like he was twenty. <laughs> And he had face. He had a little bit of the, you, bit you, know, of, you know, the bad mustache. A little bit like that barely dusting. comes in. Yeah, yeah, he had that too, and he was like my age. Looked like he had just signed a lease. He's a big. He was a big dude too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was. I don't know what was in the water in that house. <laughs> I, I really. I don't. Something, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what what they, what they were feeding the kid. I don't know. I mean, maybe he was brought up on Similac. I, I don't know. <laughs> Similac. <laughs> so um, there's a difference between a tagline and a slogan. Taglines are generally shorter than slogans and are used in advertising often alongside the company logo. A slogan, on the other hand, can be used specifically for specifically for a marketing campaign or a specific product. So we've got some uh, catchy slogans and taglines that have stood the test of time. Which ones do you remember? 312-981-7200. Catchy slogans, catchy taglines. We uh, definitely want to hear from you. So uh, give us a call, and we'll talk slogans and taglines. 312-981-7200. That's what's coming up here on the show. And uh, we're going to... uh, get get you guys on the line, talk about the taglines and the slogans and all the memorable ones. And uh, that will do that right after we get into the newsroom for the news. Hello, 
Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, and get some uh, early morning news from that great team. And then back here for Bob Surratt, starting at 5. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number. We're talking about slogans and taglines that uh, everybody remembers. Um, because KFC is uh, going to put a halt to the uh, finger-licking good, which is a famous, famous tagline slash slogan. Uh, if you got one, you want to uh, join us with it, phone lines are open at 312-981-7200. Here's Wayne on WGN. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, guys. Uh, the Frito corn chips got rid of the Frito Bandito because I guess they finally decided it was demeaning to the Mexican population. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, and, that's pretty much true. <laughs> and, and then uh, they had the song that everybody knew, and and even in grammar school, I had a Frito Bandito eraser. I had on the you, you put it on the end of your pencil, mm-hmm. but I never used the eraser because it was so cool looking. Oh yeah, I remember Frito Bandito. Yeah, oh. that goes back. All right, yeah. thanks. Uh, thanks, right, Wayne. Guys. Take thanks. care. Yeah, the Frito Bandito. <laughs> Okay, here are you ready for some more here? Um, here's what they say. Some of the most famous advertising slogans have been around for decades, many of which shaped uh, American history. Um, example, Apple products and their push to think differently. Uh, a good slogan is, a good th- the good thing is that you don't have to be a famous brand to make a good slogan. All right, how about this? Nike's marketing slogan "Just Do It" was inspired by a heinous criminal. The agency was Wyden and Kennedy, and the year was 1988. "Just Do It" challenges athletes to rise to the occasion in the face of overwhelming adversity. This motivational slogan has a rather grim origin. It was inspired by the last words of Utah killer Gary Gilmore, who said, let's do this, as he faced a firing squad. What? I did not know that. Um, The slogan has been used for almost 30 years and is attributed to helping Nike triumph over Reebok in the sneaker war of, of the 80s. Though... The original ad campaign ran in the 80s. It still goes strong today and is often paired with Nike's uh, identity of the brave and rebellious like Colin Kaepernick. How about the, uh, you know, now, do they still do they still use Just Do It? Just Do It? Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's still used, right? Yeah. Sometimes, though, I just see the commercials and all it is is the Nike swoosh. Yeah. And that's it because that's all they need, really. I mean, you know what that is immediately when you see that. You're you're a King of the Hill fan, right? Yes. Uh, someone did a mock up of a of a Nike comer- or a Nike ad with uh, Boomhauer on it, <laughs> and uh, it just has Boomhauer, the Nike swoosh, and it says, "Just dang old go, man." Come <laughs> <laughs> on, dang old boo. Yeah. Um, I think he's my favorite character on that show. No, Bobby is. Bobby's Bobby's my favorite. Pamela Adlon. 
I haven't seen that show in a long time. Is it still? Uh, do they? It's not. I know it's not in first run anymore, but it, no. but it's it's rerun. Oh, it's definitely right? still. On I think re- it's on like Comedy Central, right? Don't they show it on Comedy Central? Either Comedy Central, Central they'll show it late at night on Cartoon Network on Adult Swim. Yeah, so you can watch the entire series on Hulu. That's how. Oh, I Oh, it's recently, available on Hulu. Yeah, I recently watched the entire series again. It's amazing. The show is hilarious. I like my favorite is the Boggle Tournament. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> That's a You're great... a loser. Yeah. A big burst, a big loser. You want to drink a dirt bottle, you baby? <laughs> this is the Dallas Mower Expo. Mm. That's right. Hey, uh, for this next uh, slogan that we're going to talk about, can you go on to the YouTubies and find the uh, pumpkin Halloween Kit Kat commercial? Because it is like the greatest commercial ever. We're getting, we're getting, a, we about a, what are we about a month away from uh, them starting to show that? Oh uh, yeah, they'll probably start showing. I mean, it's, it the, it's the, it's the nah, end. Of, they'll wait till October first. It's the end of October. I mean, it's the end of August right now. Yeah, they'll so, wait till they'll wait till October first. Oh, they should start showing it now, and keep showing it all year round. Boo. Ah! <laughs> 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 I'm sorry for what I did to your face. All good. Have a break. Mm. Breaks are good. Have one. <laughs> uh, I love that commercial. The pumpkin, the laugh, everything about it. The girl jumping because he goes, hey! But here's the next The next one in this article is uh, Kit Kat's marketing slogan, have a break, have a Kit Kat was coined to sell chocolate in the workforce. Um, coined to sell the to sell chocolate to the workforce. Well, yeah, you want to sell chocolate to everybody, don't you? Not just the workforce. Don't you want to sell chocolate to everybody? Yeah, but you know, it's uh you know, it's good to have a target demo. So now they got a Kit Kat commercial with like a little dude with a parachute? Have you seen this? Landing on a Kit Kat? <laughs> you seen this commercial? I don't think I have. It's a little dude with a parachute. He, he's jumping, and he lands on the Kit Kat on the end, and it snaps off. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Someone with Paul Stanley. What? Where is it? There's a Kit Kat commercial with Paul Stanley of Kiss? I think he does the voiceover of for, what? The, for the skydiving one. Paul oh. Stanley? That's him. That's him. That's Paul Stanley. That's definitely Paul Stanley. Yeah, that's Paul Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know oh. that that was Paul Stanley. I didn't even put that together. Is money tight, Paul? Is money tight? <laughs> Maybe he owes Gene some money. Oh, my God. I hope not. I can't stand Gene Simmons. <laughs> no, me neither. Me neither. I'm more of an Ace Freely guy. Or a Peter Chris guy. Yeah, I like a little Peter Chris. I remember when... Uh, I He's remember... the cat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got cat... You got the cat. You got the demon. You got the demon. Starman. You got Starman, and you got the uh, alien. Oh, is that what he's supposed to be? Is an alien? Ace Freely, yeah. Ace Freely is an alien. I just remember going to see Kiss because it, you know, 
I loved Kiss in the 70s. Because you know why? I was like 10. And then when I grew up a little bit, and I, I was like, oh, wait, these guys stink. Okay, they don't stink. They stink. They don't stink. They're terrible. No, they're not. Yes. I like Kiss. If they're your favorite band, I don't know. But They were my favorite band when I was 10. You're going to tell me that Dr. Love? You know? No. No. Love Gun? No. Detroit Rock City? Detroit Rock City is not bad, but they suck. So anyway, I've seen them a bunch of times. I saw Kiss in their heyday in the 70s. Sure. A bunch of times. And it would always they would always um like leave the stage, you know, like at the end mm-hmm. so that Peter Chris could come out by himself with a towel around his shoulder and sit on the edge of the seat sit on the edge of the uh, stage to sing Beth. It would just be him and and you know the the piano and everything i think was ta- they were all it was all on tape i'm pretty sure cuz that cuz beth has strings yeah they're not going to have strings at, there, there was no strings at the kiss concert so you know they ran it on a tape did i ever tell you about how um a guy i used to work with at jewel ruined one of my favorite childhood things all right you saw yellow did you see ELO? Yellow. E-L-O. Oh, E-L-O. Did you say ELO? I said ELO. Oh, sorry. No, I, I did see ELO, yeah. Yeah. Um, you saw him like last year or something, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw him on the Out of the Blue Tour in the 70s, 77, at mm-hmm. the Chicago Stadium, and it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. They had the spaceship, opened up, lasers, all that stuff, incredible light show, awesome. And I, we were talking, I was uh, stocking the aisle with one of my friends, Jewel, years ago. And we were talking about our favorite concerts. And I said, one of my favorite concerts ever was the Out of the Blue Tour for ELO. And he's like, oh, you realize that was all on tape. And I was like, what? He's like, oh, yeah. It was, it was, they, they, they weren't playing instruments or anything. That was all on tape. And I, I was crushed. I was crushed. This is like, like 10 years after I saw the show. 10, 12 years after I saw the show. And he's telling me this now. And I'm like, you can't. You can't do that. You can't tell me that you what? That's a heartbreaker. Oh. These eyes. Not quite as romantic if it was these peepers. That was the guess who. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. And in just a few minutes at 4 o'clock, we'll be heading over to uh, Bradley Place to the uh, TV side of WGN and uh, get some uh, early morning news from them. And then Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200. We're talking about very memorable taglines and slogans for... uh, for products and things like that. Um, here's Ike on WGN. Go ahead, Ike. Hey, Nick. How's it going with you, man? All right. Okay, the one I I remember the most, uh, this has to be my favorite slogan involving uh, Coca-Cola, uh, you can't beat the real thing. Yeah, yeah, the real thing. It's the real thing. That was uh, Coke went through a bunch of different slogans, but that was one of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, in the beginning, 
Coca-Cola, they were trying to change it from Coca-Cola to Coke, and then people didn't like it, then they went back to Coca-Cola Classic, and uh, it, it kind of became a metaphor, that tagline, like, uh, no, this, when you try to change something, you can't beat the real thing. Yeah. All right, thanks, Ike. No problem. Yeah, I was working at Jewel when they uh, brought out the new Coke. I remember people were coming in and yelling at me. I've told you this before. I've told I've mentioned this on the air before, but I was working when they when they when Coke decided that that it was a good idea to bring out new Coke. And I was just a I was just a kid putting it putting the Coke on a on a on a shelf. And people were coming in and yelling at me like I'm the one who invented new Coke. All right. Uh, California Milk Processors Board Marketing Slogan, Got Milk, was popularized by Michael Bay. Yes, that Michael Bay. By the way, the Kit Kat slogan, Have a Break, Have a Kit Kat, was coined back in 1958. Kit Kat was conceptualized in 1937 as a chocolate bar that men could take to the workplace and enjoy during break times. Can't you enjoy any kind of chocolate bar during a break time? Um, so, Got Milk began as a tagline for a series of ads featuring people struggling uncomfortably after having dry or sticky treats without any milk to wash it down. started in 1993. The slogan almost didn't make it the cut. Staff at the ad agency deemed it lazy and grammatically incorrect. The first run of award-winning ads with this slogan was directed by Michael Bay. A year after the memorable slogan was introduced, a total of 2.8 billion gallons of milk were sold in the California region. Wow. Wasn't it a company that got, that got milk like uh, magazine ads? Didn't they have like celebrities with a milk mustache? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a huge part of that campaign. Yeah. How about Eminem's marketing slogan, melts in your mouth, not in your hand, is the world's favorite slogan. That's a good one. I got to say, that's a good one. I, it, you never forget it. No. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. We have a severe thunderstorm warning in effect till 4 a.m. for McHenry County. There is a storm right now over Bull Valley or near McHenry moving southeast, and it's got possible wind gusts of up to 60 miles an hour and quarter size hail so be aware all right thanks uh yeah melts in your mouth not in your hand the agency was ted bates and it was 1954 this slogan debuted in 1954 with peanut m&ms it was coined to set their candies apart from the competitors whose candies would leave unpleasant sticky messes on consumers fingers a survey by researchers from texas tech university recently found that m&m's slogan was the most well-liked slogan in the history of advertising wow it's a classic. I'm trying to remember. There was a, a type of painkiller where the, uh, the the slogan was little, yellow, different. Do you oh, know what that was? I can't remember. Is that Anison or something? Maybe. Yeah, but Anison's not... In the bottle? Because Anison is... The pills are white. They're just white aspirin. So... Um, how about... Di- it was called Nuprin. Nuprin, that's it. Nuprin. All right. Uh, De Beers. A diamond is forever was born in a moment of desperation. 
This is back in 1947. This famous slogan was coined in a moment of desperation after Frances Garrity found that she had forgotten to include a signature line in her series of advertisements for De Beers. The slogan worked. After just two years, sales of diamonds in the United States rose by 55%. Diamond engagement ring had become a cultural mainstay. This skyrocketed the value of uh, diamonds alongside the perceived scarcity created by the industry. How about uh, Avis? Do you know what the slogan is for Avis? Hmm. It's something car-related. I don't know. We try harder. Ah. It's from 1962 that was made. In 1962, Avis fully embraced its position as America's second largest car rental company with the slogan, We Try Harder. In the following year, the campaign helped the company go from losing $3.2 million to turning profit of $1.2 million for the first time in over 13 years. After five decades, Avis finally retired the tagline in favor of It's Your Space. Uh, Wheaties. Oh, yeah, the Breakfast of Champions. That's a classic. That's a classic. 1935 that debuted. Since 1933, Wheaties has featured pictures of famous athletes on their cereal boxes with the slogan Breakfast of Champions. The box uh, designs and slogan made the brand synonymous with professional sports. Countless athletes wanted to be identified as champions. In the 1939 All-Star NBA game, 46 of the 51 players endorsed Wheaties. Have you ever had Wheaties? Oh, yeah. Are they any good? Yeah. Okay. They just seem like they might not be that tasty. Just, what, was was the the disgraced biker ever on the cover? Lance the, Armstrong? Yeah. yeah. He oh, did. Yeah, okay, I thought he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. L'Oreal, Because You're Worth It. That was in 1973, and it was pivotal in gender equality. L'Oreal's slogan began as, Because I'm Worth It. And was the first ever advertising slogan written from a woman's perspective. Wow, really? That was the first one? Uh, how about the Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority? What, what, what's Do you remember that one? La- Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority. Well, what's what happens the, what Vegas, Vegas stays yep. in Vegas. Exactly right. What happens here stays Super here. Super annoying. Yep. And then Gillette, the best a man can do. The best a man can get. Started in 1989. They even had a song for that. Yeah. They did. Best a man can get. I don't think I can't don't, even remember. Don't, don't give up your day job, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Kimasabi. Uh, all right. Uh, tomorrow, what are we doing? So we're going to be talking to the editor-in-chief of the Guinness Book of World Records. Love it. The new uh, 2021 edition comes out on September 1st. Okay, cool. I've got the 2020 uh, version in the office. Yeah. I can dig into that, too, while we're and, talking to him. Uh, he's going to be calling all the way from London, so it's going to be really fun. They're based there, as you might expect. So we'll talk about how to get into the book, some of the new records that you're going to see in there, some of the new records. They have some holders. of the craziest, weirdest stuff in that book. Yeah. I, I used to take it from the uh, the library every time a new one oh, came I, out. I, I had them all. I had them all. So the guy with the long nails, the long, curly, crazy nails that were like six feet long. Yeah, so we'll talk Guinness World uh, Records. 